Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two-time defending ATV motocross national champion, Cody Jensen. Am I on air? What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode 57 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, our Pleasure Valley review pod presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase at shop.csttires.com. We have a ridiculously jam-packed episode for you tonight, talking all things Pleasure Valley past and present. As always, Casey Greek will join us to help break down all the action. Special guest Billy Cottage will also join us. You're going to really enjoy the heck out of him. We also have interviews with Max Lindquist and the Ford Brothers and some bonus content, some throwback content with Dave Porter telling the story of when he and Casey Martin won Pro-Am aboard a Polaris. You don't want to miss that. Let's get right into it. Thanks to our sponsors who are all on board with us tonight. CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped to get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGY. Deep 20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and they have brand new industry leading products that just hit the market as well. Full disclosure the new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped is my secret to keeping a perfect beard. The new electric trimmer is so nice that I've only been using it on my facial hair. Shh. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Get 20% off and free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all these great companies that support us, and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. By accessing Rocky Mountain from our specific link, we get a percentage of that, and we both know you need parts and gear. This is an easy way to help us out. No matter what off-road gear or parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. So before you buy, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out in a major way. We can't thank you enough for that. And I just want to take a moment here to thank our listeners who have so graciously donated to our cause. Thanks to Justin Burke, who donated via via Patreon, and thanks to our Buy Me a Coffee donors, Dan Outley, Richard Boyce, Oliver Saya, Abdul Dari, Logan Tremellan of Tremellan Media House, and Kevin Harris. We just wanted to take a moment to thank you guys because we've put blood, sweat, and tears into this thing, and for you to donate some of your hard-earned money means so much to us. It really does help. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. You can find these donation links on our website. Thank you guys again. Now, the 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. 
Let's go. All right, guys. Stoked to get into all the great racing action that took place at Pleasure Valley. As always, uh, here to help break down all the action, brought to you by our friends at Rocky Mountain ATV MC, your one-stop shop for parts, gear, and everything you need in between to make your ride the best ride. Click that Rocky Mountain ATV MC link on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com today to help us out. From Impact Solutions, say hello to Mr. Casey Greek. What's up, Casey? Welcome back. Should be a ton of fun to talk about uh, some more great racing. Yeah, definitely. I'm uh, excited as always to be on and, um, you know, kind of review, I think, one of the best races we've seen this year. And, you know, from the amateur side all the way into the pro class and uh, it's going to be exciting show. Yeah, looking forward to it. And we have a special guest joining us tonight, brought to you by um, Blender's Eyewear, delivering the world's coolest and most affordable eyewear that inspires people to live life in forward motion. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 at blendersiwear.com. Say hello to first-time guest but longtime racer, mechanic periodically for his now brother-in-law, Thomas Brown, and recent Digging Deep ATVMX fantasy event winner, Mr. Billy Cottage. What's up, man? Stoked to have you <laughs> on. Uh, yeah man I'm, I'm excited this is my first time i listen and hear everybody else coming on and uh, as soon as i uh, got the message from you i was like yeah i'm in yeah so i've said this numerous times this season but this is good a good episode to have you on billy because the the racing at pleasure valley might have been the best racing yet um casey you were in the tower billy you were right there too so you guys had uh had you know you guys saw it better than anybody i should say but the the racing and PA was incredible. It was, it was the, some of the best racing we've seen so far this year. It was, it was a good, good weekend. And, you know, the way the track shaped up, you know, obviously it was very hard packed, um, but it really had a good cushion to it. You know, that back off camber section that they threw at us last year there um, was phenomenal. I mean, the line choices, the differences that you could take and the amount of time that you could actually make up with a really solid line. And like we've seen sort of in the first mode and we'll get there, um, Joel didn't know to swap lines that there was a better line for quite a while. And Chad had figured out a better line. And I mean, Chad was putting a damper on like the lead that Joel had at that time. And so as it worked and, you know, went and went and went, it was like, what's going to happen here. And then finally, I think signal boards and Gary and I think Joel's dad was up there in the corner too, yelling at him and everyone's trying to get him to switch his line. He switches his line and then he kind of pulls the thing back under control and continues out the day so yeah you know that huge quad really tricky step up in the back um you know we've seen some pretty nasty crashes off that quad we've seen a nasty crash off that quad last year with Trelli. so it, it, it's a gnarly track and, and it's fast and to see the racing that we've seen with that track is why i always kind of like a hard pack track because i feel like the racing almost gets better when we get to that situation yeah, for sure. The, the racing was incredible. Uh, Casey, I want to um, stop us, uh, press pause on this thing for one second before we dig too deep. Um, let's chat about this week's Impact Solutions Impact moment where we highlight something good and positive happening in ATV motocross. I wasn't on location this weekend, so Casey, I'll give you the floor. What's your impact moment this week? So my, it's almost out of the racing, um, or not at the races, but it's because of someone that actually came to the races this weekend. Okay. Um, Justin Perkins, I don't know if you guys both remember him. I'm sure you guys do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, he showed up and I got to sit and talk to him for just a short period of time. Um, unfortunately I didn't get to talk to him as much as I wanted to. 
And um, he sent me a text yesterday. And I hadn't, you know, we talked and then I seen him a couple times during the day. And just something about what he said in this text that Pat's, you know, all of us on the back, but it, it kind of sunk in. And it's the reason I do this, you know, podcast and I, and I try to put my best for, forward when I do this. And so do you and, you know, every guest that we end up having on the show. He just said, you know, not just saying this because you're my dude. Cody couldn't have found a better person. So this sounds like I'm stroking my own ego, but it's really not about me. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Couldn't have found a better person to break down the races on the podcast than you. After Pleasure Valley, something brought me back to the good old days. And this is where I'm really actually talking about um, where the moment is for me. It's not someone, you know, giving, stroking my ego here. Sure. Um, he said it really brought me back to the old days of racing. And I haven't stopped listening to the show since or since Sunday. Dude, you guys are freaking killing it on there. It deserves match exposure and content for what you guys are bringing to the table. Literally brought me back to the sport I fell in love with years ago. And you can't, you can't put a price on that. Lastly, it was damn good to see you and Jay again, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit cheesy of, a, of my thing, but what I'm after is the center part of that paragraph. And that's what, it, what it's about. And that's what like, this show is about and why like, I drive my passion as deep as I do for the sport. And, you know, Billy's the same way. Like, obviously, Billy can't be at every single race anymore. You know, you're on abbreviated schedule this year, but your guys' passion is still there. And this this passion is what actually fuels this sport because the guys that are left in this sport, the guys that are still showing up every weekend, this is why. Because of guys like Justin Perkins that once worked in the industry and has stepped away, he's literally telling me, like, I went to a race, it refueled my fire. I started listening to the podcast more consistently and like nonstop and it's just driving the fuel. And I guarantee you, we're going to see him at a race again here very soon, probably back on a quad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. For sure. I'll let Billy hop in there too, because he can speak on this. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's so much of what this is all about for me, why we did this. Um, I get messages from people every day saying that, you know, it refueled the fire for them and their love for the sport. And they're hearing things that they never heard from riders before, or um, it just reminds them of when they were racing. You know, they, they hear these riders, even though they're the best riders in the world on ATVs, they're talking about things that the average person can relate to. And without the podcast, you didn't always hear that from some of these riders. So, um, yeah, I think that I love that we're, what we're doing. I love that people are, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, able to, I don't know, stick, stick with the sport, get back into the sport, love the sport more. I mean, I was saying from the very beginning, the more invested our fans are, the more that they're going to love and support and stick with this thing. And, and that's what we're trying to do here. So I'm um, proud of, proud of what we're doing. I'm glad you highlighted that Casey, but Billy, I'll let you hop in there because you're a guy that's been around it for forever. Um, but maybe you can speak on kind of the fact that maybe you didn't hear some of these things or hear from these riders. I know you're tight with a lot of these guys, but just to hear, I mean, some of these riders come on this podcast and they're vulnerable and they talk about the things that they're actually thinking. And then, or even, or even just seeing on the racetrack, like, that's cool i love i love that we're bringing something else to the table it is it is really cool and especially i was wrapped up in you know thomas's program last year and stuff and you see stuff go down on the track that didn't involve him Mm -hmm. and people you know are hush hush about things at times and you always want to know what happened or who did what or 
you know, and then you listen to the podcast and every once in a while, like you said, guys are vulnerable. They, they put stuff out there and you could tell, you know, they're really laying it all out there. And, it, and it's cool because you haven't seen or heard things like this in years. You know, when we were kids, there was all the, the riding videos and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. the coolest part was just listening to the guys talk. And you don't have that anymore. There's, there's nowhere to get it. So when you started doing this, I thought it was super cool. Um, awesome. I love to hear that. I mean, we work our asses off at it. Um, you know, my, my brother and I both, and, uh, you know, guys like Casey that have been giving their time, you know, week in and week out to this thing, just for the betterment of the sport. So I appreciate all that so much. Uh, that's Casey Greek's impact solutions, impact moment this week, Casey, if you don't have anything to touch on there to tie that up, um, we'll move right into the racing. Yeah, definitely. We can move on into there and, you know, just take, take it for what it is, take it for what I actually mean of that. Um, because I do hear a lot of that kind of stuff, but the, this is someone that like, I'm been good friends with for years and, you know, some of our life stories are pretty similar. So, um, it really touched home, I guess you would say. And that's why I chose to kind of pull that in there today. And, uh, and I should, and I should say that, that Justin Perkins worked for the series. He traveled the tour, all those things for the people that don't know. Um, but to, to think that uh, somebody that, you know, eats, slept and breathed it, uh, was living this lifestyle, all those things, and is back into it and now enjoying the podcast. That's pretty cool. Exactly. So let's move on to the racing then, guys. Um, Pleasure Valley made its return to the ATV Motocross national schedule last season after a decade-long hiatus thanks to the pandemic, forcing us to find places to go that could host such events like this. But this season, it was back on the initial schedule, um, and the track looked good. looks looked similar to last year with the exception of the, the new rhythm section and the place of the whoop section that was there last year. Is that right? Um, one of you guys, Casey or Billy, it looks like uh, Billy, you're nodding looks like the track was pretty similar to last year but with the addition of that of that new section there yeah it looked very similar uh to last year and actually the track turned out pretty similar to last year actually um sections of that off camber looked gnarly and i know they got pretty rough last year but like that top line this year was rough and that's why like casey touched on earlier you know, guys didn't know what other guys were taking and there were smooth lines. And actually at one point, uh, I think it was Moto One, Rastrelli got a terrible start and it seemed like every lap he was going down all the way towards the bottom where it was smooth. And I swear every lap he passed at least one guy in that section. It was amazing. They were going four wide there. There was literally, yep. there were four wide there at one point before everybody kind of caught on to the, the lines <laughs> that needed to be being taken there. But uh, I was thinking to myself, at what point, other than like down the whole shot of any race all year, are you going to see four dudes going four wide in the pro class? It's incredible. Yeah, it was, that was like insane to see. And then you could see guys, you know, and especially, I mean, how tight those guys are right now in the battle between those two are four or five guys that are all in the mix when especially when every one of them starts kind of in that seventh through third place it's crazy and those guys are literally just splitting up and flying to different sections and you know Rastrelli posted a video and there's I think four of them coming through the new rhythm section which they took out the roller section which I, I always liked that roller section and like you posted a picture of Digger which was actually yeah. a different roller section but the same area mm-hmm. um of him pulling a knack neck through the whoops because that's how like comfortable he was that day i guess <laughs> right. um 
but he or you know just seeing that in that video that jeffrey posted like that was the telltale of that entire race of really both motos so uh, i like the track <laughs> I, I think it's awesome yeah, it makes for great racing. There's no denying that. So qualifying was pretty status quo. Hetcher qualified in the top spot over Weenan um, by about a second. Then five guys were all within a second of each other. Hogue, Wolf, Bryce Ford, Linquist, and Janusa, they all ran 143s. So after qualifying, you knew we were in for a treat. Billy, anything that uh, that stood out to you in qualifying there heading into the motos? No, it's, it's kind of been the same story all year, and them guys just can't seem to get away from each other, especially, you know, like Casey said, if they all start in that same area, it's going to be some good racing, and, and it sucks for Hogue. I know he was really, you know, feeling good, especially after that first qualifier. I think he, he had the second fastest in the first one, mm-hmm. and then to have, you know, the mechanical failures or whatever he had going on with the bike that that put a damper on his weekend for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, obviously that, that grouping has been so close. The racing has been so good. And obviously we saw that in the motos ahead here that we're about to talk about. So, uh, as we move on to moto one, no surprise here, Joel Hetrick rips the whole shot in the first moto and begins to set sail over Bryce Ford second and Wesley Wolf third, but, but on lap three, um, Joel jumps a berm and goes off the track. Casey, I don't know if you guys could see that from the tower there, but, but I'm sure you talked to Joel after the race. Uh, what happened there on lap three when he, when Joel jumped that berm? literally told me it was my fault and (laughs) (laughs) like just being chill it's your fault suspension guy and i'm like what how was it my fault he's like no he's like i literally just came in there so freaking fast and he's like i just wanted to put the biggest gap i could put down as fast as i could put down okay and he's like i just came in there so fast that you know i just kind of cheat out and just kind of popped me up over the berm before i knew it i was literally looking at a puddle of brown water like an actual pond but he's like it's just all i could see was brown and i was just holding my breath and grab the brakes as hard i could turn to get back on the track you know luckily everything kind of went into its favor on how it went down but yeah just insane um we were in the tower me and billy and we're like well like you're almost like caught so off guard because everything is going to what i think a lot of people expected to, to happen during this race so yeah. You're just like, oh, okay, Joel's out front, you know, he's pulling away, you know, status quo, status quo. And then all of a sudden, Joel's flying towards the pond, and you're just like, whoa, like, how did that even go down? And, you know, you almost watch other people more than the leader, and especially, like, when you're trying to find something exciting to talk about and bring, you know, bring the heat when you're announcing, because there's, you know, a lot of people that are at home that can't be there, and they're listening, and, you know, it's just insane to to me like that he could do that and luckily he had the lead that he did and you know I talked about it while we were doing the announcing like what it takes mentally to rebound from something like that like I literally would have just fell off and rolled to the pond and just like why did I just throw this all the way and the kid just literally puts his head back down and starts to pull the gap back out and you know that's when we've seen the transition of like those two lines in that back section uh, that off-camera section where Chad had actually started closing in on Joel to the point where, like, you know, Joel couldn't figure out where he was catching him until we got the – I think it was a little bit out for halfway, right? Yeah. And yep. um, he kind of figured it out and started pulling back – pull the gap back out there. 
Yeah, I think with Joel, I think that he just wants it so bad. It's like he's not going to be denied. So thankfully, he had he had uh, built up nearly a four-second lead at that point. So when he re-entered the track, he was still just barely in the lead. Um, Chad Weenan was in third at that point, and just two corners later made the move on Bryce Ford for second. What happened next is what you were just touching on, was the two title combatants basically stuck together for the next 10 plus laps. They were, um, there was places on the track where Chad was faster, obviously, like you were talking about, then Joel would stretch it out on the other side of the track. Um, Joel was rolling and Chad was able to stick right with him within a, a second or two for the remainder of the moto. Um, Billy, I'll let you hop in there. Yeah, it's um, Joel had a, a pretty decent lead there for a bit. And uh, when I talked to him after the moto, he said that um, I, I told him, I said, I'm, you know, I saw you caught onto that line. I said, you know, the champ was coming. And he said, uh, he's like, I told Gary, you won that moto for me. He said, because he's like, I kept coming around and thinking, where is he catch me? Where is he faster? And he couldn't figure it out. And then I don't know what Gary told him, but apparently he figured it out. And because Chad was putting probably two or three quads on him every lap. And then it seemed like Joel could get a little bit of a gap again. But as soon as they got to that section, Chad was coming every lap until he figured that out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then that group behind those guys, you could see um, just how important that off camber was and choosing the right line there. So Bryce, uh, so Bryce ends up falling to third. He found himself in no man's land after that, after Chad got by uh, the two leaders gapped him a little bit, but he also had a decent cushion over the rest of the field. He ultimately grabs the final podium spot there in moto one, but the must see action was right behind Bryce. Wesley Wolf, he led this pack early. Brandon Hogue was up there. Then this battle almost inverted itself. It was crazy. Um, Jeffrey Rastrelli went to the front of this pack. Max Linquist raced up to this group and joined in. But at the finish, Nick Janusa actually got the, the fourth spot ahead of Jeffrey Rastrelli. Um, what a battle. What a battle, huh, Casey? That was, a, that was amazing. Some of that racing we saw in that first moto with those tier two riders was absolutely incredible. The line, the pictures, the photo opportunities of that, of all those riders battling in a, in a line there, uh, it, was, it was incredible. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the one that doesn't shine on paper in that is uh, Max Lindquist. Because, you know, watching the race go on as we see, you know, Jeffrey. And I'm looking literally at the lap chart because I was wanting to get some facts about how fast that yeah. line that J J um, Chad was taking. Mm -hmm. And it, it's pretty much, it's about an average, about a half second when I'm looking at it. Like looking at the lap times, they sure. come down to right in the half second. But going back to this battle, you know, between, you know, Janusa, Rastrelli, Wes, Max, you know, even Cody Ford, Logan Stanfield was in – that was second mode. He got a good start, but he was in there with those guys. Um, Brandon Hope was in there for the majority of the time, you know, looking at the left chart, fifth, 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 seventh, eighth, 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 eighth. Mm -hmm. So um, his kill cord ended up coming under. Like, mm. how, like so random, like, and it, you know, you don't really expect that. He, he literally thought he had some kind of failure and was kind of looking around and then realized like, oh, my kill cord's out. Plugged it back in and got going again. But, you know, he was way already a couple laps down by that time. Um, but looking, you know, at the way the battle shaped up, you know, Janusa 8th, 7th, 6th, 4th. Like, literally, goes from, like, 7th to 4th he made it happen at the end of the race. Like he kind of came out of yeah. nowhere because he was at the back of that pack and, and got up there right at the end. It was, 
kind of typical Nick Janusa. He put it where it needed to be at the very end when it mattered most and got up to the front of that line. But that, that was impressive because um, it was, it was other riders. It was Brandon Hogue early. It was Jeffrey Rastrelli. It was other guys that were up at the front of that pack originally. Yeah. I mean, Wesley Wolf clocked the first lap at third. You're right. Second yeah. Lap fourth. Yep. 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 You're right. He was up at the front of that, you from, know. from the start too. Um, and, and then lap like nine, to 10 he was fifth back to fourth mm-hmm. and then but like this is how intense it is it sounds so lame like reading it off of like literally looking at a chart but when you're watching this but see he was change. on lap nine fifth mm-hmm. lap 10 fourth lap 11 11 fifth lap 12 sixth lap 13 sixth yeah it's, it's crazy um you're and- talking about in a six minute period of time it's, it's unreal. And early on, I uh, don't want to pass by that early on, Brandon Hogue looked like the fastest guy of this group. Um, at one point he looked like the guy, but he started falling, ended up 15th. I was going to ask what you know about this. I had heard the pull cord. It was the tether. Um, but uh, what do we know about him choosing to get back on the Honda? after riding the, the, the new Yamaha YFZ450R at Sunset Ridge. I'm assuming, now I, I'll, let you fin- I'll let you finish, Casey, because I'm sure you know about this. You're part of that program. But I was wondering if at some point it was going to be a discrepancy because he's obviously not practicing on this machine. And that, I mean, that's exactly what it is right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally to Friday night, we didn't know what machine he was going to ride on. Uh, Tim told me that they went and rode both machines back to back at a you know rel- relatively similar style track, not obviously a national cover track, but to a good track that was pretty hard packed and stuff like that. And he was actually faster on the Yamaha, but because he's not practicing on the Yamaha every day, he felt more comfortable and felt you know more confident in being able to go to Pleasure Valley, being a hard packed track, and riding the Honda and. I mean, his speed was there. Just, just really, just dumb luck mm-hmm. um, between both motos that end up, you know, hampering him for the weekend. But I think we're gonna try to get some testing and get him some more time on the machine. Um, I think it's still actually up in the air for Unadilla. I, if I was a bet, it's probably gonna be a Honda for Unadilla, and then he would probably go back for the last three on the Yamaha. Okay. If we can get him some more riding time on the Yamaha, but you know, you got one bike, you're trying to race it and practice it. And obviously no one wants any kind of mechanical failures and parts wear out and trying to keep up with all that stuff. Like we're all running, you know, relatively decent budgets here and trying to make smart decisions. So um, it's really, it's really about 2022 right now for Brandon Hogue and the Yamaha. Yeah. You know what? I, I found myself, um, really feeling for Brandon because I wondered if it was kind of putting him in a precarious spot being that they built this quad. He probably feels pressure. Like everybody put this thing together. Everybody, um, you know, everybody, you know, put in sacrifice, whatever, put all this effort into building this thing. And I mean, yeah, like it's only human at that level. It's gotta be impossible to practice on one machine and race on another like that. I just, that's, that's not necessarily a recipe for success. So um, yeah, I assume that that probably had something to do with it. Uh, Feel terrible for the kid. Um, But I would assume going forward, like you said, I mean, the speed is there. It's just a comfortability thing and it's all going to come together for them. So let's keep this moving. Let's dive into moto two then, but before we do, let's hear from uh, the guy that led both motos, all the laps and uh, stole the show at pleasure Valley. Let's hear from Joel Hedrick. Hey guys, 
It's just me. Joel Hetcher couldn't make it. He had something come up, but I still wanted to touch on a couple notes that we planned to discuss with him. This was a massive victory for Joel Hetrick. Another one of those perfect days for him. First in qualifying, 1-1 in the motos and leading all the laps. He snatched back the red plate and regained the points lead. Last year at Pleasure Valley, this is where the wheels fell off of his title defense. But here in 2021, it's the location where Joel Hetrick put himself back in the driver's seat for this title. That would be his third AMA ATV Pro Class title of his career. This was the 80th career Pro Class podium for Joel, 42nd win. These numbers continue to swell up for him. And as we look to Unadilla, a place where Joel has always been so dominant, in fact, five times he has went 1-1 at Unadilla, including the last three times that the series has traveled to New York, 2017, 18, and 19, all saw him go 1-1 as well as in 2015 and all the way back in 2011 as well, the first win of his career. He'll try to add another to the list next weekend, and he'll surely be the favorite to do so. He's at the point in his career where nothing is really a first anymore. He doesn't get many of those opportunities, but all these Unadilla wins have come on a Honda with Max's tires, which obviously won't be the case this season. So it'll be fun to see just how good that YFZ450R performs equipped with CST tires and I think it's going to be bad news bears for the competition. Speaking of CST tires, that's who Joel was supposed to be brought to you by tonight. So instead, I am brought to you by my beloved CST tires. Visit shop.csttires.com today to join Joel Hetrick and myself on CST's industry leading Pulse MXR tires. Soft and standard compounds are available at shop.csttires.com. And with that, let's get back to the boys in our race review. All right, so Joel Hetrick pulls off the perfect 1-1 day and regains the points lead at Pleasure Valley. Um, It looked like he executed everything perfectly on Saturday. Casey, I'll ask you this because you're part of that program, but it had to be had to come off the off the track there and and Joel had to feel like everything went perfectly. The whole team had to be stoked on how that all went down. Yeah, definitely. And you know, really like the the Cinderella story, I guess, would be in the second moto is when you had you know, Joel out front, Jeffrey Rochelle running second, like just, you know, for for the entire Phoenix racing team, like those guys are busting their butts. And there's a lot that goes into it from, you know, the ownership side of it all the way down to, you know, the mechanics and, you know, the truck driver. They got a new truck driver this weekend and, you know, he's doing an awesome job on keeping that thing together. And, you know, just the entire program, when you get two year guys, I've been in this situation you know, back in the day with John and Chad, you know, and you get both those guys running out front together, it's incredible. And then, you know, the the respect and like the friendship really that Joel and Jeffrey actually have with each other, it's it's a way different feeling than say John and Chad were racing each other. Like those two, like obviously have a, a deep respect for each other because they're both champions. They're both, you know, the best at what they're doing. But there was no love lost between those two. Like they're not buddies, you know, Chad wouldn't go and stay in at John's house. John wouldn't go and stay in at Je- or at Chad's house, where you know Jeffrey and um, Joel have that together. So yes. really cool to see those two go, and I think that's really one of the main stories of that second moto was, you know, the rewardingness for the Phoenix team. Even though Jeffrey didn't end up on the podium, mm-hmm. he was right there, and that's what Jeffrey's wanting to see. Jeffrey was actually really happy with the way he rode and how the whole day went. He was in, you know, in very good, good spirits. Yeah. Behind Joel, uh, the battle was on 
in Moto2. His teammate, like you said, Jeffrey Rastrelli, he ran in second for the majority of this race. It was another great showing for Jeffrey Rastrelli. He held off Max Lindquist and Chad Wienan until lap nine when Wienan grabbed the runner-up spot for good. But a couple things there. Um, Chad Wienan, 2-2 on the day. He now lost the points lead by one heading into Unadilla. I thought it was a really solid day for Chad, actually. I thought he had a really good showing there. Um, Billy, it sounded like, though, that Chad felt like he had left one on the table in Moto2. It felt like uh, he was thinking that poor start in Moto2 was a missed opportunity for him. Uh, I'm sure he did because after watching that first Moto, you know, he's so methodical and he's so smart and, and his racecraft is, you know, second to none. And I'm sure everywhere they go, it doesn't matter the track, Chad knows in his mind that he can figure out a line or figure out something that the other guys aren't. And that's just, you know, the confidence that the guy has in himself. He's been doing it for so long at such a high level, you know, and he does it differently than we've ever seen out of anybody. He's so smart and smooth and never makes mistakes. And he just seems to figure everything out when he has to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and everybody looks at Pleasure Valley as one of Joel Hetrick's strong you know, tracks. So with Chad having that good showing in Moto1, I'm sure he felt like if he gets a start in Moto2, things are going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And, and, you know, there was questions coming into the season. I had talked to a couple people and, and, you know, you always wonder because it's, it's said, you know, that the Hondas are better on the hard pack tracks. And that was always what Joel was good at anyways. So him getting on that Yamaha, no one was really sure if he was going to be able to keep that up at his home tracks or his, his style tracks or, mm-hmm. you know, what was going to happen. And, you know, Chad was feeling pretty confident after that first one. Uh, I'm sure he was. And it would have been really cool to see him start up front on that second one and just to see what would happen. But, I mean, you got to give it up to Jeffrey there. I talked to him and he said, you know, as the day goes on, I feel more confident. He's like every single race, you know, I get better as the day goes. And and he wasn't lying and he was headed up to the line. And he said, if I get a top five start, then boys are in trouble. And I said, okay. And he, you know, he pulled it off. He rode his butt off that moto. Yeah. You know, we heard from Chad last week. We know how, how confident he is because he told us that he thought that he put it in Joel's head that Joel, you know, knows it's going to be a long season for him. Chad's confident right now. So, um, and then touching on Jeffrey circling back to him, man, if anyone had any reservations left on Jeffrey Australia, those have to be dead and buried at this point. Casey, Jeffrey's fourth in points now, only one point out of third, uh, ended up fourth overall on the day. It wasn't a podium, but it was surely a podium effort. But you could argue he's been the most consistently fast tier two rider these last three races. Jeffrey Australia's firing on all cylinders right now and, and gaining more and more momentum at, at the perfect time. I mean, everything's right in front of him. The, the best rider out of that tier two group, the best rider down the stretch here is going to grab that third place podium position on the season. Yeah, definitely. You know, and that's it. It just took Jeffrey getting like that taste again, and it, it's not because he hasn't wanted it, but mm-hmm. there's just a, there's so much that goes into it, and we've seen it. You know, with Bryce Ford, uh, you know, repositioning himself on the podium again this weekend. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, Bryce has gotten multiple podiums now. Bryce is literally on the podium, like damn near, pretty much in tears which mad respect, like, cause it meant so much for him to put himself back up on the podium and, and to put in the work to get there again. 
And it's the same thing with Jeffrey. You know, we've seen, you know, how much Jeffrey celebrated. And, you know, you, I think you actually had the, the day counted on how many days it has been since he's been on the podium, which I thought it was kind of a funny, like, you know, we never really think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually see it in front of you, you're like, wow, it really has. And it hadn't been that long for Bryce, but Bryce came into the season, you know, kind of projecting himself mentally that he's going to be third place. Mm-hmm. You know, Janus has come in. He's going to be that guy. Yep. Now Jeffrey's done the same thing and, you know, they all had the same mentality, but now we're really seeing a, a tight, tight points battle between Janusa and Jeffrey Rastrelli, which if you, you know, think about life or, you know, the way things go, those two guys should be your pick for who's going to be in that position. But Wesley Wolf hasn't made it easy. Bryce Ford hasn't made it easy. Max Lindquist hasn't made it easy. Me and Max are going to have a little bone to pick after <laughs> Unadilla if he don't get on the podium. Because I even had a conversation with him this last weekend. Like, dude, you're, you're, you're hurting me here. Mm-hmm. And at one point in the running order on Sunday, he had actually put himself into third mm-hmm. overall. Yes. Watching did. the lap times and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can rub this in Cody's face. We're going to be good. <laughs> But it didn't happen. But, I mean, really, you know, you got you got third place, 179 points. Fourth place, 178 points. Fifth place, 177 points. Mm-hmm. Sixth place, 170 points. Yep. Not even looking at names, just going down. But your Janusa, Rostrelli, Bryce Ford, Wesley Wolf. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, that's nine points to separate sixth to third. And that's literally you're dealing with, like, tenths of a second that are separating, like, seventh through third every weekend oh it's you know I, it, it's an this it, it, is awesome it, it's going to be the first person to to elevate themselves closer to that first group that's that's going to be the guy that takes it down the stretch here the the great thing for us as fans is that it's so tight that uh it's totally up in the air at this point with four races remaining uh you touched on max linquist there we got him coming up on the show um he had yet to run in the top three in his pro career but that changed on saturday when he ran third for half of moto two ultimately got passed by weenan and bryce ford but billy i'll get your opinion because this 17 year old rookie has left casey and i without words in recent weeks seven five for six overall is impressive but max was even better than that this weekend um he was riding like a podium rider and uh, just continues to impress. So I'll let you weigh in there on, on Max Lindquist. Yeah. The, on paper, it doesn't show how he actually rode and to see him up front there in his composure and everything for the majority of that moto, he rode like a veteran. I, it was unbelievable to see him out there. You forget how young the kid is when you watch him out there and, And I know that that brief time he was there behind Chad, it was almost like he was at home. You know, I think that helped the comfort of him just being out there. And it was almost like, you know, a normal day of riding for him. And, uh, you know, I think that all ended up coming on him pretty heavy towards the end. I'm assuming that's probably why he ended up, you know, falling a couple of positions. But, man, he he really put it in there, especially that second moto. And it was it was super impressive to watch. It, it was really fun. 
yeah, you can't believe that the kid is a rookie. Uh, let's hear right from him. Let's get him on the show. Let's talk to him about his weekend and the season this, thus far. He's been killing it. Hey, before you before you go to him, yeah, yeah, you better give him some crap about getting on the podium again, <laughs> Adela. Hey, hey, I, I'm pretty sure that we're gonna hear him talk about uh, that he needs to prove you right. So let's hear from Max. <laughs> All right, guys, brought to you by Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. I'm here with reigning Pro-Am National Champion, reigning Amateur Rider of the Year, and now AMA ATV Pro Class Rookie Phenom. Say hello to Mr. Max Lindquist. What's up, buddy? Stoked to uh, get you back on the show. Looking forward to talking to you. Awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Cody, and I've uh, been pretty good and excited to get back to talking. Yeah, man. So last time we had you on, we were highlighting the fact that you're just 17 years old. You finished fourth in the in, in your rookie debut, da-da-da-da-da. And now just a handful of races later, you're clearly like clearly and simply one of the guys. Each and every weekend, you're in the mix as a surefire podium contender. So I'll ask, is this how it feels uh, to you at this point, battling in the top five of uh, the pro class? Is this just normal at this point? That's the goal every weekend is to go in and definitely be in that top five and in the mix for it. Definitely um, really liking the thought of it and the, you know, being there, um, the goal every weekend, obviously come in and be in that top five, that mix. It's uh, definitely been a big learning curve, but been really fun to uh, be in that battle and be up with all those guys. Well, the, the crazy part is Max is you're a rookie, but with the exception of one race, you've basically been the most consistent guy in that tier two group. Um, you know, three consecutive fourth place finishes to start your career. You had that 17th in Georgia with that crash and a mechanical down there, but now two sixth since then. And you were, you were very much in the mix, even at those races. Um, so you've been rock solid. Like it's, it's been as solid to the, to a start of a professional career as I can ever remember anybody having. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, just that was kind of my like whole goal coming into this year was just to stay consistent and like always be, you know, in the hunt for that top five spot. Um, obviously, we have a really stacked class this year and it's uh, been a dogfight to stay in that top five. And the last couple of weekends haven't been my best, but uh, definitely, you know, been riding solid, just haven't had quite the results I've liked. But, you know, learning every weekend and having fun doing it and hopefully, you know, learn from a few mistakes and uh, grow from there. Yeah. So this past weekend, Moto One saw you race up to that gnarly pack of guys. You kind of came from behind there uh, before mixing it up with them. And then in Moto Two, you come out in the top three and you keep it there for the whole first half of the race. Uh, talk about racing in the top three and what it's like to literally be battling with guys like Chad Weenan. I know um, you know you're you're tight with Chad, but the fact that you're out there at a national event battling, you know, literally battling with the guy. Um, this is the first kind we've seen of that you know you've been up there in the mix but to be right at the front this is the first we saw that and you've been it is so that's special i want to ask you about that but it's the fact that like it's not even a surprise like that's that speaks to how strong this rookie campaign has been so far that it wasn't a surprise so talk about that talk about racing in the top three and uh tell us a little bit about pleasure valley how, how your day went there yeah, um, you know, it was a pretty good weekend. The first moto, just uh, my, kind of my usual so far pro career, just not a great start and um, just kind of got behind and really, you know, once I caught up to that group, had a tough time at this track, you know, just making a few passes and I didn't quite, you know, get to where I would have liked um, and then came out in moto two and 
it was the first time all season I actually pulled off a decent start. Like I just all year really struggled off the gate with these guys. Um, been my biggest weakness coming in as a pro is just starting from behind and coming from behind. So and I think I came out fourth out of the start or third. Yeah, just like a breath of fresh air. I mean, just um, it was uh, just uh, so nice to finally get out and um, see that pace. Like all year, I've been coming from behind trying to um, catch up to these guys and to actually start up there. It made things so much easier almost in an aspect just to stay where I was because um, usually I was fighting just to get to that fourth spot where now I got to start there. And then, uh, you know, Bryce made a little mistake right away and got into third. And honestly, like, it never crossed my mind that I hadn't been there before. Like, it kind of just felt like Jeffrey in front of me. And I was like, all right, like, me and this dude have had how many battles already this season? Like, it's just another one. And I knew by the end of the moto was to get around Jeffrey, which I just uh, didn't really make happen. And then, obviously, uh, you know, Chad caught up to us there. And then, uh, you know, just – he made it look effortless. So obviously I'm still missing a few, a few little things that need to work on just a few line choices and stuff. Uh, we laughed after the fact, cause I followed Jeffrey Alboto and had, you know, a great battle there. And Chad comes up, he's gone. And I'm like, afterwards, I'm just like, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, it looked effortless for you. Like you blew my doors off and you know, we got a good laugh out of it, but, um, you know, just little things like that, um, you know, to definitely take away from the weekend to work on, but also, you know, got to take away from the weekend. I finally had a decent start and was pretty happy with that because it's been, um, a long year so far coming from behind. So, you know, getting better at a few things and now just need to work on a few others, but overall, um, you know, Pleasure Valley was definitely a really good weekend and we had some really good battles. So might not have came out exactly where I like, but you know, live and learn. So we'll uh, shoot for the next one. Right. So we touched on the three consecutive fourth place finishes. Um, obviously another good weekend, better than the box score even said, cause even with the, the six that you've had, uh, you were very much in the mix at those races. So I have to believe that at this point, you aren't going to be fully satisfied until you're on the box. No, definitely not. I mean, um, you know, obviously very happy with the top five, um, you know, that's mm-hmm. every weekend's goal, but yep. at this point now it's been so, so close. Like I've had, you know, I kind of blew one at sunset. I had it in my grasps and, and kind of put it up on top of a berm and that was that. And, you know, uh, with being so close, it makes you so much more hungry to get there. And, um, you know, especially watching these guys that I'm battling with be up there on that box definitely makes you really want to get up there. So, that would definitely be, um, you know, the goal coming for these next couple of races is really mm-hmm. to push for that box. Um, definitely think that's something that if everything falls together and, you know, limit my mistakes that we can uh, make happen. Yeah, of course, pal. So I know that you're choosing your words wisely. Um, you know, I want, obviously I know how you are. I mean, you're humble and everything else. So, so you don't want to come off, uh, saying something that isn't how you actually think. I just know, um, obviously you're uber competitive. You've been in the mix all season long at this point. 
And I mean, you've been right there. So, I mean, the, the, the podium has been right there. So it's not like it's an unrealistic goal. I mean, it's totally realistic. If you get, you know, if you're on the podium at one of these things, it's not going to come as a surprise. And um, just like you said, I mean, it, it, there was points at, at Walnut where it looked like it was going to happen. And then, you know, going back a little earlier in the season, um, you know, you were, you were, you were fourth at, you know, fourth overall at all these races. That's how close you were, you know, you're just the, you were the first guy not to make the podium. And then, like I said, even, even this past weekend, you know, you ran in podium position for a long time in the moto. Um, it's going to happen one of these weekends, that's for sure. And, uh, and, you know, it's not going to be a surprise when it happens. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can really make that, uh, come true. I know Casey's been on me a little bit. He's like, Max, <laughs> I have some predictions here. Cody's getting on me. I'm like, yeah, Casey, we're aware of what's up here. So, right. you know, all fun and laughs with it. But at the same time too, um, definitely my, me, myself would, uh, really like to make that happen. You know, um, all the hard work that goes into it and with being so close, it would definitely be another, uh, another dream and another step, uh, to come true if that happens. So definitely be shooting for it. Yeah, man, it's going to happen one of these weekends. I have no doubt in my mind, but uh, yeah, Casey predicted that, that you're going to get one before red, Bud. so I think he's feeling the pressure because now there's only one, one, uh, I think. So originally it was, it was, you know, he predicted it was going to happen like at a red bud, like racetrack. Then that turned into, it's going to happen before red bud. Um, so like I said, now with Munadilla being the last race, you know, prior to red bud, uh, he's feeling the pressure. He's thinking, uh, you're going to have to get it done this weekend or something something to, um, to, to prove his prediction. Right. Well, you know, I can't, uh, can't say that I don't like the thought of making that prediction come true. So we'll definitely be, uh, try to help out in his case. Yeah. Yeah. No so. doubt. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect timing. It would be perfect timing, uh, for the both of you. It'd be good timing for you. Obviously you want to make it happen. Good time for Casey to try to prove him right too. So, uh, Max, talk about your practice schedule a little bit here in Wisconsin. Um, obviously you and I know we have, pretty limited options. Um, so talk about your practice schedule a little bit. What's that like? Um, yeah, you know, actually just, uh, I've actually really been on the road quite a bit. Like, um, I do like coming home. I have a, I have a track at the house, obviously that I can, uh, have to my use whenever I want, but, uh, it's a little smaller. So I try not to ride, you know, at home too, too much. Um, probably ride at home once or twice a week. And then lately with all how our weather's looked, I've been trying to stay a little farther South. Um, you know, between, uh, Jeremiah Jones has been taking me in and let me stay, stay down there for a couple of weeks. And I try and ride four or five days a week. Um, but so probably between Jeremiah Jones place and then heading down by, uh, Mr. Weenan, um, you know, that's where I spend the most of my time riding and obviously been paying off, you know, getting to ride, um, with our reigning champ, uh, you learn a lot real fast. So, um, you know, and then a few other smaller private tracks around us, just other riders, you know, mm -hmm. uh, big thanks to the Launderville's. They always have me out and do some riding up there. Um, too bad to he got hurt so haven't been doing any riding up there lately so hopefully get to see him come back and do some more riding up with them but yeah I mean up here in Wisconsin it's a little tougher to find places to ride but the places that you do are always very welcoming which is always nice to have but uh yeah I would say probably riding down by um Mr. Weenan is like 
depending where we're going, also try and ride like that kind of soil or that kind of track, you know, to really um, make sure I'm liking how the machine's working and then um, get comfy on that kind of soil. So that's kind of like a little insight to how I like to practice. Yeah, man. You can obviously tell that you're, you're spending a lot of time with Chad. Cause I swear you're looking more and more like the guy on the machine. It's amazing. So, um, so we all know the story by now. Uh, you're obviously a pro. Now you dominated pro-am last year. And the year before that you sat out to prep for your, your big quad debut. So what that means is you haven't been to Unadilla since 2018, um, 2020, the series didn't get a chance to go there because of COVID 2019, you sat out. So 2018 was the last time you were there and you were winning the 250 classes at that time. How do you feel about Unadilla? Um, you know, it's always been a track that, I've had, uh, I felt like I've had some pretty good speed at, and, you know, it's been pretty good to me over the years, had a couple wins there and whatever. Um, also have had some really close races that haven't exactly went my way there too. So, you know, I feel like I've had, you know, both mixed emotions, really like it, you know, really wish things would have went different ways there, but really excited to go back. Um, just with it being so long, um, you know, it'll be nice to go back and, um, just get on you know some different tracks like compared to last year you know it's always fun to get somewhere in a while and ride and i think that that track one of our better tracks on the circuit especially for a hard pack track uh, besides the drive uh, i'm definitely excited to get back out there and uh you know see what we can do on some new york soil yeah that's a haul man uh is it so is it crazy to think about like how far you've come or how much has changed in the last three years. I mean, to think, you know, you're a 250 rider, um, you know, in 2018, now we're here in 2021. And uh, I mean, you're, you're in the mix at the front of the pro class like that. It's just, it's crazy. It feels like yesterday. Um, but you know, it's like uh, now you're at the pinnacle of the sport. And like I kind of said at the beginning of this conversation, it's just normal at this point. That's how strong that this season's been. But to think back on where you were three years ago, it's got to feel like a light year ago. Yeah. I mean, like definitely looking back on it, like even just Unadilla itself, like it feels like I haven't been there in forever. <laughs> like even the two fifties, like I feel like I've been riding this four fifty for so long now. Um, yeah. Especially with taking that year off, like, I think yeah. that year, like I've put so much time on that bigger machine that like you totally just almost forget about the, those two fifties. Like it's so hard for me and weird for me to think back and be like, you know, five, you know, three, four years ago, I'm still in, I'm not even in the amateur ranks yet. Like right. it went by so, so fast. Um, you know, like it felt like I was in the youth ranks forever. And then now all <laughs> of a sudden, once, once I got on that two fifty, it's like things happen so fast. Um, especially, you know, last year and this year, like getting on the 450, like it's been, it's been so fast, like um, kind of all like up into one memory almost last year. Like it's just been going by so fast and it's been so fun at the same time. So definitely wouldn't change it for the world, but definitely uh, it's been a really crazy fast ride. Awesome, man. Well, um, looking forward to the weekend, looking forward to, uh, to seeing what happens at Unadilla. And obviously, um, you know, you've been in the mix on these things and that's gotta be interesting for anybody that's cheering for you. So I'll con- continue to be the leader of the Max Linquist fan club. It's been an absolute joy to watch you so far this season and, uh, can't wait to see this podium, uh, all come together. It's going to come together one of these weekends, pal. Well, 
uh, thank you for the kind words as always. And, uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, uh, be talking about that soon. So that'll be my goal. So we'll, uh, see what happens here and whether it does or doesn't, I'm sure it'll be a good rest of the season and it'll be a fun one. So, uh, yeah. looking forward to this next one. Yeah. You can assume that as soon as that happens, pal, we'll get you back on to talk about your first career podium. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. So, uh, appreciate you giving us a little of your time, buddy. Proud of you and, uh, love having you on. And we look forward to doing it again sometime soon, hopefully to talk about that podium. Alrighty. It sounds like a plan. So, uh, thank you very much, Cody, as always, and, uh, take care. And I'm sure we'll see you here soon. Thanks pal. That's Max Linquist brought to you by Launderville Seal Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Congrats, buddy. Thanks again. Thanks. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft comp on rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you? CST tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Wienan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at valvoline.com.
SSI decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship-winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength-to-weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship-level edge. DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online e-tailer. DID what drives you. We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, Visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. 4Works Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. All right, jumping back in here, Bryce Ford raced his way up to an impressive third place finish in Moto 1, but his second Moto impressed me even more. He ran fourth early, Chad got by and pushed him back to fifth, and that's where he stayed for the next eight laps. And then at this point, 
Jeffrey Rastrelli is gonna is gonna be on the box. He's in podium position at this point, and they must have communicated that to Bryce as we're um, about to hear from him because he ramped it up late in this race and got himself into fourth uh, with just a lap or two remaining, uh, which put him back in podium position there. I found that to be so impressive, Casey. That was uh, such a tough thing to do. It's such a tough thing to do to be in a position and then you know regather yourself, get to the front because that's what you need to do. I was really really impressed with Bryce. Ford's second moto there probably uh, as impressed as I've been with him so far was to watch him do that in moto two. That was composure and um, just, just him looking like a veteran, something we maybe haven't seen at least in recent weeks. Yeah. Cause you know, like mid moto there, you know, he wasn't doing what he needed to do. Right. It's not to be rude, but like he wasn't doing what he needed to do to get him in that position. And you've seen him kind of just like almost take a breath and then start to like put in the work again and, and really start to dig in. And I mean, he made some gutsy passes and, you know, it took a lot. And even talking to him a little bit after the race, he's like, I just, I had to go. Like I had to, you know, I don't know if he fell into like a mid moto funk there or what it was. Cause obviously he wasn't tired. Like you don't ride that fast at the end of the moto if you're tired. Right. And he put the charge in and, and made the passes that he needed to, to secure uh, third. You know, um, I was talking to Jeffrey's um, wife, actually. <laughs> I said almost a girlfriend, but I was talking to Jeffrey's wife right after the moto. And she's like, you know, at one point I wasn't, I was like not cheering for Max. Like, no, no, slow down, Max, you know, slow down. <laughs> and then at the next minute she's like, I'm over there cheering Max on just as hard as I'm cheering Jeffrey on because Max is a deciding factor right. in Rochelle being on the podium. So, um we all do it, you know, like it's part of it. And we, we enjoy that, you know, but right now we say it over and over again. I feel like just a broken record, but right now it's incredible. Like you cannot guess that tier two spot. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's completely blind. It's awesome. Uh, We're going to have Bryce join us shortly to talk about the fourth uh, podium of his young professional career, but let's get uh, through a few more of these guys before he joins us. Nick Janusa salvaged fifth overall in the day. Super impressed by that because he raced up through that gnarly pack to get himself into fourth late in moto one. We already touched on that. And then in moto two, he found himself upside down in the first corner battled all the way up to seventh with his four, seven scores, earning him fifth overall and maintaining that third place position in the series point standings like we touched on hard to beat this guy billy specifically um in points he's just so damn consistent nick janusa even man he finds himself on the ground still still maintains that fifth overall spot um like i said hard to beat this guy yeah in, in points like you said he's so consistent and his late moto charges you know me and casey were up there on the tower and we're watching and we saw you know what had happened in the start and he was way back in and it's weird because he has like quiet success. You don't even notice every lap. It seemed like we're trying to find him because he passed another guy or two and you don't even, you didn't even see it, him do it. He just like would come up on somebody and get right by him. And he did it the whole moto. And it was extremely impressive to see him come all the way up, back up there the way he did. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing this for so long, just kind of being in that mix of top five guys. He's always right there where he needs to be. 
Um, Wesley Wolf, he ended up seventh overall following his podium at Sunset Ridge, sixth in Moto One and sixth again in Moto Two, but it was a much bit different narrative that second moto. Uh, he was the one down with Janusa at the start of the second moto there and battled all the way up to sixth in Moto Two, which was impressive. Six six for seventh overall. Um, what did you think of WW's day at Pleasure Valley, Casey? Um, I think it's a good day. Um you know, again, it's like it's not always the best or not everything is the best on paper. Mm-hmm. I know Wesley probably will disagree being that he wasn't um, third at some point in the first moto. Um, and then his start in the second moto, you know, I, I still can't make sense of what actually happened in Janusa. I don't know who ended up getting into him. He still doesn't even know. And we've all seen the helmet cam footage. We've seen other videos, but there's no video from the inside of that corner to actually tell the tale of what it was. And mm-hmm. Janusa, you know, he was very, very frustrated because he actually was up there and probably like a third, fourth place position start. And that's good for Nick. Like his starts are not always the best. <laughs> so he was really excited to be up there. And then he's like, before I knew it, I just found myself on the ground. And, you know, poor Wesley, like Wesley had nowhere to go. He just, okay, there's Nick. Sorry. You know, luckily he hit Janusa's <laughs> bike instead of hitting Janusa. And so, you know, both those guys were way back. You know, Wesley come around. And I was like, oh, wow, there's, you know, Wesley. You're like, man, he's far back. And I didn't even realize at that point that Janusa had went down. Where we were standing in a tower, there was a motorhome and the uh, – the walkover bridge was really in our way. So we couldn't really see any of that. You just had to wait until someone appeared. And then all of a sudden you hear a bike way back. I mean, he, he was pretty far back. Mm-hmm. You hear Janusa come around the corner. I'm like, Oh boy. And yeah, very quiet success. I mean, that's, that's a perfect phrase for, for Janusa and especially that moto, like to come back to where he did and plug his way through, you know, I think it's a pretty standout day for him. Wesley, same thing. He's still in this fight. You know, all these guys are in this fight for third and points, and you you literally can't even say it. You know, Hoag's had some bad luck here, and so his points-wise, he's not as close to these guys. These guys are kind of solidified themselves in the points, but any weekend we can go racing, and Hoag can end up there too. Well, and there's so many points up for grabs when you can, when you push for that actual podium spot, you can really distance yourself fast. You can make up points fast. So nobody's out of this thing. Uh, it's like splitting hairs on, on any given weekend in the, the tier two mix there. So um, moving on, Cody Ford had an awesome day, put himself in great position, started sixth in both motos, eight, nine on the day for eighth overall um, to lead all tier three riders and digging deep ATVMX fantasy for, for fantasy purpose, purposes there. Uh, let's welcome both of the Ford brothers to the podcast here and uh, hear about their weekend. And now brought to you by bike strikes and quads, LLC, 80,000 parts in stock for your ATV, UTV, motorcycle, dirt bike, or snowmobile, including hard to find used parts for your vintage ride as well. From hard parts to riding gear, use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders, $100 or more. Say hello to the Ford brothers, fresh off his fourth podium of his young professional career. It's the kid, Bryce Ford. What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Cody? Not bad, pal. We're stoked to have you on. And not to be outdone, coming off five consecutive top 10 finishes, eighth uh, this weekend at Sunset Ridge, it's eldest Ford brother, Cody. Thanks for joining us, pal. It's always great to have you. Hey, Cody. It's good to see you. 
So uh, both of you guys had impressive performances this weekend. So I thought it would be fun to get the two of you together for a quick conversation about Pleasure Valley and the season thus far. But first off, um, while I have you both at the same time, this is something I've kind of been meaning to ask each of you for a little while here. So there's 20-ish AMA ATV pros, and two of you just so happen to be brothers. So tell me, how cool is it to be at the pinnacle of the sport like you guys are? There's no level above where you two are at. To share the track with your sibling, that has to be a pretty special feeling. Uh, whoever wants to jump in there first. I guess it's pretty interesting. I mean, it makes mom a little stressed out. I don't, <laughs> I don't go with that. I mean, We've been doing it our whole careers. It's not it's not anything new. Mm -hmm. I mean, we raced together in the 70s. We raced together in the 90s. We raced a year together on the 250s. And then the four, when I went to 450s, we kind of broke off. But now we're back together in pro, which we knew was coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just when you look at the history of the sport, I mean, there's been a, a couple sets of brothers that have done this, but not many. So um, I, I get how it puts stress on the rest of your family. And, you know, it, it makes it a big operation, a pro level uh race program is hard enough to manage when it's just one rider and then to have two riders at that level i mean i can see how that's added stress but like i said you know when you look at this series that we have and you guys again are the top atv racers in the world and you know when 10 percent of of the you know the population of professional atv riders is from one family like I, I do think that that's pretty special and it probably talks it speaks to the fact that you two um growing up racing each other and everything else like you pushed each other to be at this top level bryce i'll let you hop in there if you want to as well yeah for sure it's super cool you know uh we actually used to race each other i think when we first started and cody used to kick my butt um and then we we sort of, he was always a class above me and just watching him race and, and learning from him has really helped. Um, and now that we're in pro, it's, it's really cool because we used to train with the Miller brothers. Uh, mm -hmm. Cody used to train with Hunter and I used to train with Cody, which Cody's the younger Miller brother. So it's sort of cool to see me and Cody in it. And when we were growing up, we watched them do it. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, like almost like the same picture. Like it's just, it's crazy to see. And it's cool to ride with him because when I'm slow, maybe in a spot on the track, or maybe there's a rough spot that I'm going through on the track, he can maybe tell me the wide line. It's a lot smoother. It might not be as fast, but you might not get as tired, but it just helps. It's cool to cool to see both of us do good. And like it's sunset. I didn't do very good. And, and my mom had told me, cause I can't really watch him when I race. Um, mm -hmm. She told me he did the best he's done all season or something close to that. And yep. And that honestly made it like I got a little excited for him. I it was a pretty rough day for me, so so that made the day a little bit better. So it's it's really cool. So at the what was it at the end of the first moto at Sunset Ridge? Is that when you guys were racing each other hard at the at the end of the moto there? That was I was thinking to myself it was like a photo shoot for like that lap or two. Um, you guys were were racing with each other hard, and I mean that like you both have been racing the pro class now for you know a year and a half, but that hasn't happened that much. So that had to be uh, you know kind of interesting as well. Yeah, no, uh, he he was riding good there. I I couldn't really find another line to to make make stick or get around him but it was sort of hard for me because it's like like personally I felt like I might have been a little faster there but it's like this is your brother and it's like if I didn't have a clean line I wasn't gonna do something stupid because 
that'd be pretty embarrassing. We both wad each other up. So I was like, if we can't make it happen, we can't make it happen. I'll just stay here. But um, yeah, I didn't make it happen. He he handed me my butt that one, and then the second one I did the same thing, but I I was able to get around him, and and then we, I think, um, yeah. Just yeah, that that first one was definitely he made me work for it. I didn't get him, but in the second one, I made it happen, and, and it was fun. Both motos, it just sucked for me because I tipped over on the start, and that's not where I like to end the race or start a race, really. Right, Cody, you can hop in there if you want. What I have to believe, if mom's stress level is is you know is is high to begin with, when you two are both on the track, when you two are on the track together, like racing each other tight. Um, that probably makes her makes it that much tougher for her. I mean, I don't know if it makes it tougher for her because she knows we ride together every day. So <laughs> it might help her out. I'd have to ask her about that one because I'd imagine that we know each other well enough to where we're going to go and what we're going to do that we're not going to, we have a less likelihood of taking each other out than if we're by someone who we don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Um, okay. So let's talk about this past weekend a little bit. So Bryce, um, we just got done breaking down all the racing from pleasure Valley. You ran a strong third in moto one. You probably got a little lonely, uh, racing by yourself for a majority of that one. Then in moto two, you were required to make a, uh, late race pass to earn that podium spot there. So I wanted to ask if you knew, I'm assuming uh, they had to communicate to you. I'm sure Mark did um, that you had to get by max for, for um, that overall podium spot. No. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this, that pleasure rally was a lot of fun. Um, I started the day out. I qualified third in the first one, actually the first lap of the first one I, I wrecked on the off camper. Um <laughs> And I fell down the hill and the bike was still up top and it fell right on me. And I was like, God, but it, I think it actually helped at the end of the day because it took all the nerves away from me. But then the next one, last lap, I think two riders put in hot laps and I ended up getting fifth, which isn't usual for me. So I was like, man, this is really not good. But uh, I just just kept my confidence and just stayed calm. And in the first moto, I came off the gate and I got a good jump. And I saw Joel on the inside of me, and he did, he didn't let out at all. He just stayed in it and came right across, but which was fine with me. I came out second. Um, I was running behind him, and, and then all of a sudden, I feel like he literally hit, like, nitrous after the quad. He just left me, like, two seconds and ten in a ten-second time span, maybe. And I was like, wow. So – um, I sort of picked up a little bit on where he was going fast and, and I just rode my race. I had Chad passed me on the, after the quad. Um, and then I just tried to latch onto him and he, he did his thing and gapped me as well. Um, and I just, just rode my race. I tried to stay as consistent as I can and as, as little mistakes as possible, which I did. And, and I had a pretty clean race, like you said, but I looked back a couple of times and I saw probably four different riders in fourth place. And I was like, oh gosh, I better go. Cause if they catch me, I don't know. I could get fourth or eighth, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was a little worried about that, but I think I, I got a little stuck on their battle and, and didn't maybe ride as good as I should have, but I got third in that one. And then the second one, I got another good start. I made a little mistake on the off camper, the first lap and Max got around me. Um, and I was just off pace at the, for the first I would say 12 to 15 minutes, Max and Jeffrey were like pretty much gapping me. Like I was five seconds behind, I think at one point, 
in uh at probably about 15 minutes I look over at the pit board and and Mark said catch number two or pass number two you have to or something and I I was doing the math in my head and, and at the start of the moto I knew I had to get right behind Jeffrey once I saw he was in front of me to get on the podium um in a, about 15 minutes my whole mentality changed I knew what I had to do and I felt like I could catch him and and I think it was probably like a second a second and a half each lap I just was gaining 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 and then I caught up to Max and and he made a little mistake after that that bowl turn at the bottom of the hill and Mm-hmm. And I just knew this is my chance. And, and I pretty much just held the gas on and, and went outside of him and, and I passed him. And then I was behind Jeffrey and I was just thinking, oh, gosh, what if Jeffrey slows us down to, to, to try to let Max pass me back? And, and I guess he didn't really think of that or he just wanted to get a third over or a third place finish for that motor or something. But, mm-hmm. but I was behind Jeffrey and I just settled in. Honestly, I wish I would have tried a little bit harder those last two laps because I think I, I, it could have been a good battle for me and him. But I got fourth in that one, and and once I once that checkered flag came out on that second one, that was like my best podium. Like it, like it kicked in. Like I didn't know what to do. I I was running around the pits. Like I felt really good. I didn't feel exhausted. I don't know. It's just that was my favorite podium yet and it felt like my first one and I know my first one was there last year mm-hmm. and I went three four and this last weekend I went three four and I got got on the podium again so it was pretty special but yeah it was it was awesome yeah so a lot to unpack there um that's a tough spot to be in obviously when you kind of have somebody right behind you uh somebody right in front of you you didn't really need to make anything happen at that point after you got into fourth place but um to touch on you know having to turn it up at late in the race there you seem to wick it up late which is so damn hard to do i mean you're 10 laps into uh the race or whatever it was at that point so to cross the line uh, you know, you instantly throw your arm in the air. Take us through that emotion uh, that you were feeling. You said, you know, that it felt as good of a podium as you've ever had. Um, but it reminded me so much of last year at Pleasure Valley. Like you said, I mean, your your moto finishes were the same, but it was like last year you were finally um, accomplishing like this big goal, this dream. And now this year, it's like, you've had a couple little struggles and hurdles and little fluky things happen these last couple of weeks. And it was like, man, it felt like you were just like, finally, finally, I got this monkey off my back again or something. And that's what it felt like. Yeah. That, yeah, that's exactly what it was like. It was sort of like, yeah, like you did it. Like, mm-hmm. because earlier that day and, and then weeks prior, I'd been telling myself and I'd been putting in a lot of work. It's just like, like I'd been telling myself, you're going to get on the podium. You're like, you're going to do this. And, and once I cross that finish line, it's just like, like the feeling of success. I know it's only third place to, to some people and it's not on the, the top of the podium or whatever, but, but right now, like, like just getting back on track and, and getting a lot more consistent from sunset. It's just like, it was the best feeling. And, and there's so many people that, that put so much effort into my program, not even my bike, just, helping me and helping coach me and train me and and it just like when I win or like get on the podium it's like special to me because those people put in so much work and it's not only for me I'm doing it for them and that's one thing I did this weekend is is I did not give up no matter like I was falling back in uh, fifth place 
and I didn't give up. I just stayed in it and I got the podium. And like, like you said, when I, when I crossed that finish line, like it was just like, you did it. Like we're back, like we're on the podium. Finally, it's been a while. I, my last podium was Texas. I expected a, a couple more earlier, like, like earlier um, when I started the season and it just hasn't happened. And, and that one, this one really felt good for everything, for, for me, for, everyone who helps me and just everything. It, it was special. Well, and not every, I, I can't speak from experience, but I can't speak from racing experience that not every situation is created equal. So not every podium for you is created equal. If you were just, if, if the second race was like the, the first moto, um, I mean, that natural high probably wouldn't have been quite as high for you because it was like, okay, I was third all day. I'm the third best guy today. Like, here's my podium. You know, it's kind of expected um, to have to, to have to make that move late in moto too. I mean, that gives you like a winning like feeling like, Hey, I just, you know, against all odds almost. Cause that doesn't happen that often after, you know, a lot of racing, a long moto, you pass another, you know, guy inside the top five to earn that podium spot. Like that's what, that's the stuff that we never forget as racers. I feel like, um, and not only that, I do think that it's a major step in the right direction, um, you know, to get back on the podium and, and a place that you've expected to be all these races and just little things have kept you from doing that. No. Yeah, for sure. Like, like from what I remember, I can't remember any time in my racing career where, where I've been slower on the track and, and losing time and reset in the middle of a race Right. Like with all the emotions going on, like, like there was some thought at 15 minutes in that race. I was like, you blew it. Like, you're not going to get on the podium. And it's just like, God, this is a slap in the face. And, and I reset and I just, and I just dug down and I got it done. And, and that's a really big, really big thing for me because I just didn't give up on myself. And it just, it was, it's an awesome feeling. Like, like this podium meant the most to me. And, and I think it's really good for my, my mental side of things and just like, like physically this weekend, I know the track wasn't super rough, but I felt amazing at 15 minutes. I could do what I want. And it, and it just showed it at 18 minutes. I felt great. Once I got off the bike, I felt even better. So it's like, it's just amazing. I've made amazing progress. I just haven't been able to show it. It finally came out and, and I'm just super excited. And there's, there's no better feeling to end the day uh, with that podium opportunity, especially like you said, for all your supporters, fans, and um, sponsors, yourself, all those things. Cody, uh, let's get you involved here. So um, what is it like to see your little brother succeed like that? You've accomplished that podium finish before. That's something that you've done. I saw photos of you two plus your crew, your family on the podium this past weekend, um, which is special to, to have you be there with them. I'm sure I just think that that's the coolest thing because you um, we're out there, then you can kind of join him on the podium. I just think that that's such a special thing. Uh, I have to think that when he succeeds, a small part of you probably feels that success a little bit as well, um, kind of separating the, the racer aspect of it. But, um, you know, like that's your little brother, you know, like that's got to be pretty cool actually as an older brother, because I know that feeling watching my little brother succeed. Oh, yeah, it's awesome to watch him get on the podium and be able to run with those guys. It's just been hard the last couple of races because, I mean, I've been having bad luck, so I haven't been able to really race, and mm -hmm. he's been having bad luck, and finally we both had good luck, which was really nice. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've been on a tear yourself, Cody, four consecutive top 10 finishes coming into the weekend, the longest such streak of your career. Uh, this last weekend, you grabbed two good starts. You turned that into eight, nine moto scores for eighth overall, like you said, which was, was a, was a great, um, finish for you. You put yourself in good position. It was good luck. It was good stuff all around for you on race day that turned into the fifth consecutive top 10 finish of your career, extending your personal record. You have to feel pretty good about that. I mean, that's a, that's a great day at the racetrack, a great day against such a stacked class right now. Um, you're killing it, man. You've been, you've been doing a great job yourself too. So talk about your day a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that happened this year was like Bryce said, the track didn't get as rough, but it wasn't, we all thought we were going to come into some heat here and there was no heat here. Mm-hmm. So it really changed the aspect of how the race ran because normally people will get tired and fall back more. And you didn't see a lot of that. And like Bryce said, there was people battling the whole moto, which doesn't normally happen because fatigue gets them. And it was just, it was a different animal this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like you said, I feel like the biggest thing is when you can put yourself in position like that, because it's not like your speed, like everybody's speed is so close. All these riders are so good. You and both motos started really strong. I mean, you came out like in the right near the top five in both motos, and that makes such a difference. Um, especially like you said, if guys aren't going to fade that much or whatever, because there's no crazy heat, there's no crazy weather, anything like that. When you put yourself in good position, you see what that turns into like eight, nine moto scores, eighth overall. Um, you've been on a tear recently. I feel like this, this is just continued steps in the right direction. And again, the class is so stacked. I mean, eighth place is like, really freaking impressive so like i said you got to feel good about that yeah it was pretty good i just really wish i would have had a, i think the seventh the second moto i didn't do as good as the first moto i just wish i'd have had a good second moto to follow up the first moto but mm-hmm. i mean it was definitely a good weekend it was better than the last two weekends have been <laughs> where we had turn pileups and mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah so- because even, you know, you've had these, these top 10 finishes, which is all good stuff. Obviously um, as a rider, you always want more, like that's just how it works. But you've, you've, even when you've like gotten a first turn pile up or you've gotten a crappy start and had to come back from that, you've turned that into good uh, overall results at the end of the day, which is, which is a, you know, kind of a successful thing in its own right. And you also let all riders in digging deep ATV MX fantasy tier three, which means players who uh, won the event in ATV fantasy, they had to have picked you. So um, I think our winners owe you a thank you. The other cool thing is Bryce led tier two, you led tier three. So uh, the winning fantasy lineup was made up of 50% Ford brothers, which is actually pretty cool when you think about it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, Cody, who is, who is wrenching for you now? Because I don't know the situation, obviously, but Nick Hickey, friend of the show, he's no longer with the team. Uh, tell me what you can about that. Cause that, that, I mean, mid season when you're kind of shuffling, who's wrenching for you or whatever, like that had to be, uh, had to be not the easiest of situation to deal with. I mean, thankfully that JB was able to pick up wrenching for me. So it was a really easy transition and it was actually a very beneficial transition for me because be really happy with it. And he's really, really good at doing it. He's, he's one of the better mechanics out there, Mm -hmm. if not the best. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was interested, I was interested to hear, uh, what you guys were doing there, because like I said, to just throw that wrench into things mid season, uh, obviously wouldn't be the easiest thing. So last time the series went to Unadilla, 
Uh, Bryce, it was your first year out of the youth classes and you were going 1-1 both pro-am and pro-sport. Cody, uh, you were uh, a first-year pro who podiumed at the previous round, first rookie pro to do so since Joel Hetrick nearly a, a decade prior. In some ways, it seems like a long time ago. In, in other ways, it seems like just yesterday. Um, but I want to ask you guys how you're feeling heading into Unadilla or how you feel about Unadilla. Bryce, I'll start with you. Yeah, honestly, I don't even remember Unadilla. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Unadilla, I mean, I like the track. I like the this, this speed, and I feel like going to Pleasure Valley is sort of warming you up for yeah. Unadilla because going there, it's pretty gnarly. But um, one thing I'm excited about Unadilla is going doing the pro section. It always looks like one of the better parts of the track, so I'm excited to do that. Hopefully, I can get some good starts here. I'm definitely going to line up far inside. Um, and try to rip some starts and and uh, just get some good starts and get some good good moto finishes in and just give it my all you know I, I don't want to put any predictions out there because I feel like I don't always do the best when I do that I just want to just give it my all and, and see what happens I think if I do that it'll be a good weekend so I'm pretty excited for it like you said pro-am I got uh, two bad starts I think which is okay and and Parker, we work, uh, was racing it. And I, I passed him later on in the moto. So it was, it was fun back then. Pro sport was fun. So I've always liked Unadilla. I love going fast. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. And I'm going to train on a dry slick track. So we're going to see what I got for it. Awesome. Yeah. I love Unadilla too. Cody, what about you? Oh, I think it's going to be a lot like Pleasure Valley, except I'm hoping we're going to get some heat because there was a storm that came in before the race and knocked it down and, I mean, like Bryce said, just really hoping for an, a good gate start and then just ride as hard as you can and have two good motos. So coming from Texas, you guys didn't go back to go back home, uh, did you? Bryce, I think, has been on the road for a month and a half now, and I've only been on the road for two or three weeks. But you guys are staying out on the East Coast, so you guys didn't travel back home? Um. I'm on the East Coast. He's in Central. He's in Illinois, I think, I believe. Gotcha. And I'm Parks. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, because obviously, like, you know, you guys being based uh, in Texas, um, obviously, when you got two East Coast races like this, that wouldn't be the easiest thing to do to uh, head back home. So I was just curious about that. Before I uh, get you guys out of here, I want to touch on your like season long term goals. Um, Bryce, you're fifth in points right now. You, you sit just two points out of third. So is it safe to assume that the, the goal is to finish in that third spot when the final checkered flag flies on the, the 2021 season? I got to feel like that's the, that's kind of the carrot, um, dangling out in front of you at this point, you're right there. And of that gnarly group of what we call in, in the fantasy thing, the tier two riders, but that group of, you know, third to eighth or ninth or whatever, um, everybody's so tight that class, that, that pack is so gnarly. Um, you know, whoever's going to be strongest here in these next four races is going to be the one that goes and grabs that. And I'm sure that that's at your, at, at the top of your list of goals uh, at this point, I would think with four rounds to go. Yeah, no, for sure. Third's definitely, definitely where I want to be. I, I actually, speaking of points, I, I haven't looked all year and I looked after sunset and I think I was like sixth or seventh. And I was actually pretty, pretty pissed off at myself for, <laughs> having two bad motos at sunset and dropping that far back. But I noticed we're all pretty close and, and honestly, it's going to come down to who's just 
willing to dog it out, who's going to put themselves in in a dangerous situation and just live in that live in that situation. So I'm just going to train as hard as I can, try to stay mentally on my high and just try to finish it out, pull some starts and, and just ride my best. But third is definitely my goal. And I would like to top last year. So so definitely third is where I'd like to be. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's just going to be a dog fight. Like you said, there's I think it's Jeffrey, Nick, me, Wesley, uh, Max Lindquist, um, and Hogue might still be up there. I, it's it's going to be a dog fight, and, and I'm excited for it. I like it because last year I think I was a little bit further ahead in points, which I had uh, south of the border I did pretty bad at, but this year it's going to be close, and it's definitely going to come down to the to the wire, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch here. Cody, uh, you finished ninth in points in your rookie season, but you battled so much adversity last year. I would think that if you can just keep the streak of top tens going, this season would feel like a major success after the the trials and tribulations of 2021. When we talk about uh, long-term goals, I feel like if you can just continue to do what you're doing, uh, that would be a, a major step in the right direction for you based on all the crap that you had to go through last year. Yeah, that's the goal is to just keep climbing up in that top 10 and keep climbing up one position at a time. I mean, we're doing better every and every race. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just hoping to try to catch the back of that tier two group and get in there with the guys, hopefully before the end of the year. Absolutely. I mean, that all of you, all of you guys in tier three, um, I, I, one rider uh, kind of acted like it was a slight, like I was like, uh, like I wasn't giving you guys enough credit and that's not it at all. Um, but talking about the tier three riders, you guys are definitely gaining momentum on the, on the tier two pack there. Um, it, it's been really fun to watch and it's fun to watch everybody. It just feels like everybody's just continuing to get better and better and grab another gear and, and take a step in the right direction. Uh, I feel like everybody's just pushing um, you know, everybody, the whole rest of the, the class. So uh, both of you guys are getting hot at the right time, heating up down the stretch when it matters most. And uh, that's exactly what everybody wants to do. So I uh, just want to thank you guys for a few minutes uh, of your time, giving us a little of your time to talk about Pleasure Valley and uh, the season so far. So just want to wish you guys uh, the best of luck going forward, best of luck at Unadilla and uh, wish you, um, you know, all the success going forward, but a great job to both of you this past weekend as well. Uh, I thought it was a great opportunity to bring you both on, kind of talk about the weekend, talk about the season and talk about the the two brothers of the AMA ATV pro class. That's pretty special. And I uh, just want to thank you again for your time. Thanks for joining us guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having us on Cody. I appreciate it. Thanks guys. That's Bryce and Cody Ford brought to you by BTQ LLC. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you soon. As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed clients' expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. 
the Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the US and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. The Ford Brothers Racing Team had themselves a day. Uh, we just talked to those guys. Brace got on the podium. Cody finished in the top 10 for the fifth, fifth consecutive event. Awesome day for those guys. And it was an awesome day for Logan Stanfield, ninth overall after four consecutive eighth place finishes. But this guy, he's a pro's pro. Getting ninth in this group against this group of guys is gnarly. Um, Casey, I'll let you weigh in there. I know you work with the Stanfield crew. Uh, Logan's been killing it, ninth overall. He probably wanted eighth like he had the the four consecutive races prior to that. But uh, still, nothing wrong with getting ninth. Logan is uh, putting his best foot forward every weekend. Yeah, Logan's just like, in all honesty, he's just one really good start away from being a top five guy. Agreed. Um, you know, we've I've spoke with him, and I've actually spoken about it on the show before. Like, he's just a, a tick of intensity away from being a top five guy. But you cannot knock the dude, like his consistency, 
is in, is insane. And he's incredibly fast. Like I watch him do things on the track. I'm just like, wow. Like to be, you know, tall and be able to do the things that he does on a machine. It's incredible. And I think he's one of those guys. He, I think he studies Chad a little bit too, because they're not so similar in height, but they are both tall, lankier guys. But I mean, Logan's just solid every weekend. Um, He's not happy that, you know, he went from consistently eighth every weekend to, you know, get ninth, but things happen. And, um, you know, there's some things out of, out of his control, the first moto that I think held him back. Um, and then he went right back to where he's been finishing for the second moto and, and had a, a very good solid second moto. Yeah, for sure. Logan is a great kid. Love, love seeing that kid, uh, you know, get the success that he deserves. He's a hard worker and, and everything he deserves it. So rounding out the top 10, welcome back, Michael Allred, the working class hero made his way back into the top 10 for the first time since the opener. Uh, Billy, it was never really in doubt his, uh, with his, with his nine, 10 scores for 10th overall, his top 10 was never in doubt on the day. He was as solid as could be. He was, and it was, it was kind of cool to see it because I think it's it's been a while since he broke himself back into the top ten. I want to say uh, Daytona or since, round one or yeah, something, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, since the opener, yeah. I thought so, and and it's cool to see him do it because his starts are always on point, and they weren't quite as good as they normally have been. So for him to do that, it was pretty impressive. And and watching him, I think it was his best ride of the season. He just looked comfortable out there it was nice to see him riding and yeah he just looked comfortable everywhere yeah he's been killing it so that was uh that concludes our top 10 in 11th overall we had vince merman tying his career best finish congrats to vince uh caesar jimenez he was 12th overall tying in points on the day with vince um so they were co-leaders for tier four and ATV fantasy. Uh, Billy, I want to touch on this since you're the only one here who's actually won an event in digging deep ATV MX fantasy. So your, your opinion matters than the re- more than the rest of us. Uh, who'd you have on your team this weekend and how'd they perform? I had uh, Joel Jeffrey. Okay. Uh, Logan. So, I switch it up. I, I want to say Logan and Caesar. Yeah, because I switch okay. it up lo- from time to time, but that's that's my <laughs> case. That seems to be my go to. Oh, yeah, there you go. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally looking at it because I had to remember who I had a mind because I knew this was coming. <laughs> what, what about you, Casey? Who did you have? Um, I had the exact same team as Billy. But I had Vince Merman. Oh, okay. So yeah, so Merman was a lock for me because I thought we had this whoop section that you said he was so amazing in last year, <laughs> but, but the section wasn't even on the track anymore. So it worked out. I picked yeah. Vince. I guess it wouldn't have mattered if I would have had him or Caesar. But uh, yeah, that's that's why he was a lock on my team for this weekend. And I know that his pick trend went way up. So everybody was probably going off this whoop speed that you talked about, but there wasn't really a whoop section, which was. Uh, kind well, of- why would anyone that's playing ATV fantasy listen to anything I have to say when it comes to picks? That is the most terrible idea you could ever do. Don't don't listen to me. Oh, that's that's funny, man. I got so close to the event win. I got within one point. That's the closest I've ever been. But I had uh, yeah, but I was within three points. Right. Like I was three points away from winning. Yeah. Where are you overall, time. Casey? Where are you overall? Tied with you. Are you tied with me too? Seventeenth. Oh man. Well, yeah. for for this event, not in overall points. I missed around. I'm a I'm a flunky. 
<laughs> oh jeez. Uh, yeah, so I couldn't I figure out my password. You're a busy guy. <laughs> that, that's what I told Casey. I said it's not I'm like trying. Got, it's not like you got anything else going on on uh, Saturday <laughs> at the races. So um, yeah, pri- digging deep ATVMX fantasy search should be a priority. I've already picked my team for. <laughs> For, for I've already picked my team for Unadilla. I picked my team for Unadilla Saturday night. Hey, way to be on top of it. Yeah. Just, uh, I'm not going to miss another one. Uh, no, I didn't. It's, it's still telling me to set it. Mm, I'm okay. picking it right now, actually. All right. All right. Don't, so, don't mind me. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's finish off the field here. 13th overall was Vitek Nakenyak. Uh, Casey, I haven't quite got the handle on this yet. Is Vitek a sand track guy? Is he more of a hard packed rider? Like, should we expect him to thrive at Unadilla? What are your thoughts on Vitek? He's the quietest individual that's ever walked the face of the earth. <laughs> Seriously, sounds that's like that's all I can tell you. Seems like the nicest guy. <laughs> yes. Such a nice kid. Um, I, you know, because he's spending so much time in Florida, I think he's a, a sand guy, but he's still a European style rider. So I think Unadilla is going to suit him very well. That's don't I listen asked. to me for fantasy because I don't want no one mad at me for fantasy. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think he, I think every weekend he has a good chance. I, I think he struggles with starts mm-hmm. and he gets collected into goofy things. Sunset Ridge, we see him get collected into a weird start and a really weird um, accident with like Cody Ford and, you know, Bryce, Bryce actually wasn't even really involved with that part of it, but I think it, the way the chain came down, it kind of come in there with that. So um, man, great kid, but I'm just not seeing a boatload of fire out of him at the moment, but I feel like it could change any minute. Like it's literally just, consistent nonstop it, he could be there and put himself in that top 10 which i think for him if he puts himself in that top 10 he's just going to be ecstatic yeah so i can and, and forgive me now because i don't know where this message came from but i saw it pop up on my phone that somebody was telling me just before sunset ridge he he like suffered some gnarly crash or something and he was a little busted up and maybe I don't know if that's true I haven't talked to the guy but maybe that has something to do with these last two rounds because he hasn't looked like the rider we had seen prior to that even these last two rounds it just looks like like you said maybe he's missing that fire um, or whatever but we're obviously pulling I need him. I need some facts on too if he's injured because I just put him on my fantasy team, so <laughs> we need facts all right all right <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting removed yeah. until now V- later knowledge. <laughs> VTech, I'm sorry. Now you're not on, on, on Casey's fantasy team. I know VTech listens. So um, be sure to put out there how you're feeling, how's your health doing, and uh, should people bet on you for digging deep ATVMX fantasy at Unadilla VTech? So um, we'll soon find out uh, if he's going to be good on the hard pack or, or, or if he's more of a sand track rider or whatever. But uh, Michael Perkins, okay, let's move on to the rest of the field here. Michael Perkins was 14th overall. Zach Harris was 15th and 16th overall. Oh, boy, Brandon Hogue, um, essentially DNF, DNF for him. What happened in Moto2, and, and, and what are our thoughts going forward? I, I'm assuming we, we kind of already touched on that. Um, maybe it's not going to be the Yamaha Unadilla. Maybe it is. But what happened in Moto2 there? Um, I'm not going to disclose that information because – there would be people literally ready to kill me. Okay. Just a, just a fluke deal. So, I mean, that, we can just leave it at that. Just a, a, a shitty way to go um, okay. for Brandon. Because um, he was riding very good second photo. 
And I know how hard that entire crew over there works. And for like a fluke thing to take him out of that moto, it just, I mean, I talked to Timmy after the moto and I'm like, Hey, what happened? You know, he's like, just like stone cold face. And like that dude's half the time, like he's never serious. Like we always joke and bullshit. And he's just like, gives me the stare. And I'm like, okay, never mind. And like later on, we talked about it. And I'm just like, oh my God, like oh, just a fluke thing. Unfortunate situation. Um, dude, I, I literally couldn't bet on what he's going to race at Unadilla. Uh, well, I, can, I, did ju- I did just see a post he was riding a Yamaha. Yes, yeah. I was going <laughs> to say, right, gonna say yeah. right here close by my house, he's, he's riding a track out here, um, a Yamaha today. So uh, it's very interesting to, uh, you know, see him jump on that thing and get some, some time in on it and see how he feels. Because that track out here by my house is really hard packed and um, pretty gnarly. It's, it's a really cool track. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if he feels comfortable enough on it, we might see him on it in Unadilla. You would know better than me, though. I'm going to ask Tim right now. Well, we want – we want no matter <laughs> this what – This is live want, news. There we go. Not we, fake news. This is live news. We want Brandon Hogue at his best because you put Brandon Hogue at his best in that in that uh, group of Jeffrey who's riding at his best, Janus is hitting yeah. his stride, Bryce hitting his yeah. stride. It's just going to make it that much better for us. Um, all right, guys, so we're running a, a little long here. We want to move right along to the rest of the classes. Uh, so Joel Hetrick one pro stock with two, one for the overall Chad Wienan went one, three for second and Nick Janusa joined them on the box with three, two scores. Um, anything to add there guys, before we move on to the rest of the classes, it was just as intense, you know, between Chad and Joel on Sunday, Chad obviously went in the first photo, Joel getting, getting the grasp on the start there. And I think that's what that class really comes down to right now between those two they're both really really good riders on these stock machines and i the one thing that i would point out being that i know uh give you give one of your sponsors a shameless plug um joel hedrick actually pulled a 142 on a stock bike on sunday and his fastest lap time of the weekend was a 141 and some change um so that speaks volumes for the machine there um Saturday, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I don't want to get too far off the agenda, no um, but it's kind of part of it. And it'll help us move move forward here is um, like Dane Molander. We put him in a pro sport. Um, obviously, I have a pretty heavy hand into his program with Chris McCauley. And then, um, you know, obviously his family. And he's got an incredible bike. Walsh Racecraft has built him a, a machine that's freaking gnarly. And we put Dane into pro sport with the intentions of only running one moto so he can start to learn what those guys are doing in that class because obviously he's going to have to move there for next year. And he went out and impressed the shit out of the entire paddock. I mean, to come out and run second in the first moto and then second moto, he literally was putting a wheel in on Zach every single chance he could get. And Zach is just such a phenomenal rider and he's very dominant in that pro sport class this year. Mm-hmm. And to be able to put it in and, and race him for the entire moto. Um, I think that's impressive. Um, Pro-Am on Sunday to see Zach Decker kind of doing the exact same thing. You know, I'm listening and watching lap times and I've spoke with Alan Myers and, I spoke with Jason Decker a little bit to check on Zach because Zach had an unfortunate incident and ended up knocking his head a little bit. But 
being able to step up and rise to the occasion like both of these young individuals have, I think is incredible. Zach did it to Bryce, you know, putting a wheel in on him, trying as hard as he could. Bryce even went as far on the podium to say that he wasn't sure if he was going to win the first moto. Bryce finished third on Saturday. <laughs> he, he won Pro-Am on Sunday, yes, but he wasn't sure at one point in time that he wasn't going to get beat by Zach Decker. And that is no, like, not, like, doubting Bryce whatsoever. But when when he says it himself, mm-hmm. that means Zach was flying. Oh, and no doubt. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bryce Ford won Pro-Am. Um, it, was his, it was his fourth win of the season there, like you said, grabbing the points lead as well. Zach Decker, he was 1-1 in Pro Sport. And like you said, he was pressuring Bryce in Pro-Am Moto 1. And then, uh, like you said, he wrecked. Um, did he get hurt? I mean, what, what more do we know about that? I think he took a pretty hard hit to his back and then maybe like a slight concussion. And I think the medical team just said, you're out. Like you're not racing for the rest of the day, okay. which, you know, like I text Jason and I told, you know, he's like, Oh, well, he really wanted to race still. Alan said the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, we know you guys are tough, but you don't have to prove it to us. Like you, you only get one head, you get 10 races a year to prove yourself and the rest of your life, like you only get one head. So it's better that he didn't race. I feel that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really matter, but. I'm always pretty strict about head injuries. Like you want to go race with a broken arm? Like, I don't care. Go. You got two. But you only get one head, one right. brain. Yep. Take yep. care of it the best yep. you can. Yeah, you can't uh can't cut any corners when it comes to uh safety as far as your head goes. Um, I want to give a shout out to Joseph Chambers. He podiumed in both Pro Am and Pro Sport. I thought that was impressive. Uh Casey, you already touched on Dane Molander going two two in Pro Sport. Blair Miller, he went three three in Pro Am. I don't want to miss out on mentioning those guys. Um Shaw. Uh, Shaw went one, one <laughs> over Berger and WMX tighten the points gap between the fastest women on four wheels. Uh, what do you see in WMX guys, Casey? I know you were texting me about it. Um, tell me about that. Um, I seen a very, very frustrating Friday with Neve, but like I told her, like I pulled in the trailer after the first moto and I said, you drove us all crazy on Friday. We are changing setups. We are changing tires. We are changing everything that we could change because she wasn't feeling it. Like, and I told her, I pulled in the trailer and I said, like, I literally just rode my 90 right up in the back of the trailer and they were sitting there and I said, you put us through hell all day, all day yesterday. And then you go out there right now and totally redeem yourself. And that's what it was. I mean, it's just about, she sees the work that, you know, her dad puts in. You know, her boyfriend puts in Jeremiah Jones, you know, he works very tight with that program. Yep. You know, I, I try to bring any bit of useless knowledge that I can bring to the table <laughs> for those guys. And, you know, I, I believe in me. I really do. And, and I love Andrea to death and she's just turned into a phenomenal rider. And I think that those two obviously have separated themselves in that class. And they're pushing each other and it just come down to Neve, I think was pissed off enough that she went out and won. And that's what she did. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's amazing. It's, it's shaping up to be uh, quite the points battle here down the stretch. Um, big swing race there. You know, if Andrea would have grabbed another win, man, it would have almost, I mean, it would have made it very, very, very difficult for anybody to catch her. Uh, but Shaw gets the W and now it's three wins to two. The points gap is tight and uh, it's going to be a battle down the stretch here. Um, the other thing I want to touch on is, is a lot of crashes. You know, we lost Aaron Salinas to a broken collarbone leading up to this event. Braden Shimon, he got banged up there. Um, didn't Molander, right? Molander, did he avoid injury when he when he uh, wrecked on that big quad in the middle of the track? Either way, though, um, a lot of a lot of wrecks lately. But I guess that's what happens when everybody's going for it. Everyone's just pushing like so hard, and yeah, Dane Dane had a big one. Yeah. Dane had a, I mean, Dane's weekend was phenomenal. Braden Shimon's weekend. I mean, Braden's just had bad luck after bad luck, like dropped a table on his foot at work one day and like yes. hurt his big toe and couldn't, you know, train as hard as he needed to. He's had a concussion. Um, and I mean, he had a nasty get off on the same jump, a lap after Dane did. Dane somehow uh, to be 17, 18 years old again, I would just pay <laughs> massive amounts of money to be able to do that. But like to rebound the way he did, is incredible you know he didn't get to go ride you know go back out there and go full speed again but he did go back out and continue to circulate laps ended up with fourth overall and kind of hurt his his perfect weekend you know two two and pro sport four wins would have been i mean as high as you could finish the weekend on for that but he's okay and i and i told him the same thing i'm like dude you're okay like you survived a massive get off aaron salinas had to get off you know, practicing, getting ready. Mm-hmm. Um, huge shout out to him because that kid, I mean, he just drives with so much, so much heart that that kid pulls and his entire family, they, they bring the heat every weekend. Um, I did want to touch on uh, third place in the WMX. Um, Kaylee, she, that was her first podium in WMX. And I had, I had just pulled it up again. I, I remembered about it, but I wanted to make sure I pronounced her name correctly. Okay. Um, couple other little things. Vince Dillon winning an overall. Um, Talon Trimble starting to turn some heads in um, the ninety classes. Landon Corn, Styles West, and then um, another real big shout out with two overall wins this weekend is uh, Andrew Shadow. I think um, that kid's really come alive. We've seen him perform very well in the sand at Sunset Ridge, and then turn around and back it up straight into the hard pack. So. I think um, Andrew's proven himself to be the real deal. And, you know, we know that he's putting in the work and trying to do it, but there's a lot of kids and a lot of different guys that we can mention. Um, Noah Arnell, um, don't know him. I know his dad a little bit. Don't know Noah at all. See him run through the pits. Just another kid out there having a ball every weekend. But his first year in 250 class, and he's putting that thing consistently in third, he's battling for moto wins. He's racing with, you know, Joey Norris and Mason Jackson and Ian Juca, these guys. And to be his age, one of the younger kids in that class and performing the way he is, you know, we've all known. I mean, he runs 88 for a reason. Um, we've all known this kid's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But to come in right off the bat and jump in there with it, uh, I think it's going to be he. this kid's going places and he's got a long future in the sport. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that we're able to do this. I think back on some of the shows that we would have uh, done last year, reviewing some of these events and not really touching on am- on any of the amateur stuff and uh, just doesn't seem right. So I love that we c- kind of got this honorable mention list that we're going through, um, you know, as we review these events here. Billy, did you have anybody that that stood out to you that uh, that you wanted to touch on before we uh, wrap this thing up? Yeah, actually, um in uh, production stock AB, um, my boy Dom went 1-1 on the KTM. That's, I think, his third in a row now. Um, the kid's been pretty consistent, and he's a, a local kid here for me. And okay. uh, he's awesome, and his dad's really cool. And, and it's cool to see, you know, he puts in the work and, and rides, and he's got three really cool tracks at his house. And, and it's, you know, it's paying off for the kid, and, and it's cool to see. That's awesome. That's, and he's, that's awesome. he's doing – He's doing very well in A classes and in yes. college also. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's second in points in college. I was looking at that Saturday, not Saturday night, but last night when I was driving back to the shop. Sure. Yeah, yeah. and he's, so, yeah, riding, he's, uh, he's riding a Yamaha, I think. Uh, I think one of Timmy's Yamahas, I, I want to say, in the other classes, he had some um, KTM hybrids built and then – he got on that Yamaha and he must be feeling pretty good. Cause I believe he's riding that in the other classes and then the, the stock KTM uh, in the production class. Yeah. It's hard to beat them Yamahas. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so Unadilla is next. Uh, I love Unadilla. Um, always have love going out there. Uh, the, the series missed it in a major way last season. Joel, Joel is always tough to beat at, at, at in New York, obviously. Uh, that's our, our, arguably his strongest track on the circuit. Um, give me some other guys that you're going to keep an eye on. You're going to watch um, heading into Unadilla. Billy, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, Joel's obviously the one. Uh, I In the last, I don't know how many years were there, he went 1-1. One, one. Um, but other than Joel, I would have to say – I'm going to keep an eye on Jeffrey because with his consistency that he's had recently, if Jeffrey can get on the podium again this week, I have a feeling, uh, my opinion, that race for third might turn into a race for fourth because if he continues to to taste that and know it and he's confident enough, I think that race for the final podium spot's over. Yeah, I think that think that uh, you're never going to find a time where it matters more than it does right now. You know, these guys are yep. all lumped together. There's some of those guys are only one point apart, and uh, we're going to see who wants it the most, I guess. Um, what about you, Casey? Who are who are you watching? Who are some guys that you're going to be focused on heading into Unadilla? Um, I think we're going to probably put Dane back in the pro pro sport again. So I want to see if he can do it again. And, you know, continue to pressure Zach and, and race up there with Zach. You know, I know Zach wasn't very happy about, um, you know, Dane being able to battle with him. But I think um, Lane Baird is one that I feel has always rode really well at Unadilla. Um, obviously, I have some history with Lane. Um, I actually <laughs> haven't done any, like, shock work or anything for him as of recent but I think um, he had a pretty good performance at Pleasure Valley, and I think he really enjoys Unadilla. Um, Unadilla is probably I, – I love the track. I love the facility. I love the, the history. Um, but it's one of those tracks that it never treated me good as a mechanic. 
I, I think it's literally the one one track that as a mechanic between all of the riders that I worked for over the years that I, I'm 99% sure I've never won there. Um, I think John, John is the best. He finished second a couple times. I went there with Lane. Actually, Lane won there one time, um, like a 90 shifter or 70 shifter class. But like we DNF the other two classes. Like went there with Doug, DNF both motos. Like I just I literally despise going there. Like as a mechanic nowadays, I, I don't care. I'm cool with it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I think Lane's gonna do well. You know, pro class. I, dude, I'm not even gonna go there. Like well, you you just can't even judge it. Hey, so the last time we went to Unadilla, that was when. Joel like didn't actually crest the finish line. And then the bike, there was, there was some situation yeah. with the bike on the, at the line of the second moto, like it was craziness. Um, so I don't know what it is with Unadilla that crazy things happen. I think uh, a guy that we're going to want to watch it is Brandon. Um, I don't, you know, this, yeah. this wild card of the bike and, you know, which one's he going to ride and all those things is a whole nother topic, but that's where he got his first ever podium. So, uh, you have to imagine that he's going to be good there. Um, Janusa, I mean, that's a, that's a home race you know, quote unquote for him, uh, you know, obviously he's going to want to do well there. I think, you know, I think he typically does do well there. Jeffrey, at this point, you have to expect him to be up in the mix. So, I mean, it's going to be fun to see um, him kind of maintain this, you know, elevated level that he's created for himself this season. I think it's going to be fun to watch Max. I mean, Max, Max is, uh, you know, Ma Max needs to podium for Casey's sake. And, yeah, and, and definitely. Then, for my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then if you want to look outside the, the pro classes, obviously there's a, there's a million, um, you know, classes that everybody wants to watch. I think it'll be interesting with WMX. Um, you know, if Shaw gets another win, everything will be tied up. Everything will be even Andrea. I think that that's a, that's a style racetrack that she's better on, you know, a little, uh, technical as far as reading the, the dirt and, and the traction and all those things, at least that's what her dad was really good at. So uh, a lot of battles that are going to be fun to watch a lot of stuff that is going to be can't miss and uh man unadilla if if unadilla is anything like pleasure valley we're in for uh we're in for a treat yeah for sure it's gonna be good i'm excited to see it yeah can't wait well guys uh let's wrap on that note um we'll, we'll get you out of here on that note we're looking forward to the return of unadilla to the series i think that that's a really good thing and uh just really can't wait to watch it all play out and uh you know be back to talk about it again, but we got to thank Rocky Mountain ATVMC. Click that banner on our website to help us out. Thanks to Blenders Eyewear. Use discount code digging 20 at blenderseyewear.com. And Casey and Billy, I can't thank you guys enough for your time sharing all the stuff that you guys saw at Pleasure Valley with us. Obviously, um, you know that's a, that's a big thing when, especially when I'm not at the races. So you guys add so much to the to the episode here, so much to our content, so much knowledge. Um, this has been a blast. Just can't thank you enough because we couldn't do it without you. Oh yeah, dude. No yeah. problem. And I'm excited to, you know, be a part of it. And like I told you the whole time I'm, I'm pumped for you. And I think it's really cool what you're doing. So to be on the episode, uh, I was excited when I got that message. That's for sure. Hey, this was such an awesome time. Uh, anytime you're going to be at these races, we'll bring you back on to help break it, break it down. Sounds good. Maybe I'll see you after, uh, I'm, I might hit Briarcliff up. That's a pretty close one to me. Also, I, I might be able to get out there and maybe hang out with Casey and get up there with Rodney. I miss my man, Rodney, you know, 
So hopefully yeah, we'll get up. It's been gone forever. <laughs> I, mean, I missed one race in like 20 years and he's been just ripping me so he's never going to hear this one the end of this one i'm literally texting with brandon hogue right now but i'm like i need some info quick and he, i don't i don't know not, i don't know man he's not following along with me <laughs> so no breaking news casey what the heck God, well, if no. he ends up at that, if he ends up at that track again anytime soon, maybe I'll poke my head around there and check it out and see, you know, see how things can are going. Help? I'll let you boys know. So yes, five. Can you help me help him? Yeah, help I can help definitely him. help you help him. <laughs> awesome guys. Well, uh, Billy, look forward to doing this again soon with you back at the races. Casey, I can't thank you enough for doing this week after week. It means so much to me. And uh, yeah, I just can't thank you guys enough for your time. I appreciate it so much. Hey man, thank you. Yeah, Jay Jay's over here with an awake because we're getting ready to go to dinner and he's like, You're gonna be on there for like three hours. I'm like, No, we're gonna be quick. <laughs> and we're only a half hour past. So we're good. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apologize to Jay for me. But uh looking forward to doing it again soon, guys. Thanks to Impact Solutions and thanks again, boys. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks. See you. See you, gentlemen. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric, and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs, from hard parts to riding gear. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider-owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the family affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com. That's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people and leaving that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. 
For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundrievilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, guys, I'm here with our final guest of the night. We have a little bonus content for you, a little throwback Thursday content, if you will, as today is Thursday. Joining me to talk about a truly historic day in ATV racing, brought to you by Gripped Gloves, Rad Gloves, designed by ATV racers for racers and reasonably priced. Check them out today at griptgloves.com and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. It's PRP Racing himself, Mr. Dave Porter. What's up, Dave? Hey Cody, how you doing today? Oh, not too bad. I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to this conversation, Dave, because this is a, a topic that you proposed to me uh, probably a year ago now, and I think we both did. Yeah, well, I saw you at Pleasure Valley, and we we struck up the conversation. Exactly, and, and uh, I think both of us didn't want to let Pleasure Valley 2021 come and go without covering this story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, so let me, let me kind of set the stage here and then I'll let you take off with, with where you want to start, but it's 4th of July weekend. The year is 2010 and this particular year should be relatively fresh on the minds of our listeners because just a couple episodes back, we were joined by Chase Snap and this was the year that he won the Pro-Am Championship. We spoke about the memorable battles that Chase had with Joel Hetrick that year. Joel won the other Pro-Am title in 2010, but on that day at Pleasure Valley, it wasn't either of those guys that won. What, no. if I to- what if I told you, talking to the listeners now, what if I told you that a Polaris Outlaw 450 won the Pro-Am production class that day? Because that's exactly what Casey Martin managed to pull off. And his then mechanic was none other than Mr. Dave Porter. So Dave, I'll let you take it from here. Tell us that story from, it probably doesn't start on that day. It probably starts long before then, but we want to tell the story of the day that Casey Martin on a Polaris, believe it or not, won the Pro-Am class, Pro-Am production class at Pleasure Valley. Okay. Well, um, I guess the, the way to start this whole thing would probably be to put an overview on the class back then and to talk about how stacked that class was, you know, um, well, I got a, um, I got so, a list. I got a list for you. Yeah, here, if you, you wanna, should really just run that list over because that kind of puts an overview and and will get people's ears really perked up into who was in that class back then. Okay, so we're looking at the pro am production points from 2010. So Chase Snap, as I said, he won the championship that year. Joel Hetrick finished second. Jeffrey Rastrelli finished third. Travis Moore, who obviously we've had on the show before, heard a lot from him. He was fourth. Casey Martin, he ends up ends up fifth uh, in the points that year. We'll get into that story and, and how he found his way to fifth. Aaron Meyer was sixth. Billy Cottage, who we already heard on this episode of the show, he was seventh. Um, Andy Travis, Derek Schwartzfager, Mark Winchester, Sean Taylor, Ronnie Hagerson, uh, Jeremy Tulacek. I mean, the lists go on and on. David Hagsima, uh, uh, Mark Maddell. So wow. it was, it was as stacked as could be. It's even more stacked than, than we realized back then. So to think that a Polaris won uh, the pro-am production class, we're not talking about, you know, winning an A class or even winning, you know, even some of the pro-am classes we've seen over the years back then that pro-am class was, was the 250 lights class that we see in supercross or motocross. Oh, yeah. It yep. was absolutely yep. premier. And, and I believe, and I believe, uh, Dave, maybe you would remember this, but is that when Pro-Am production ran like in tandem with the Pro class, I believe? Like yes. It was, 
Yep. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. Yep. Yeah, and, and they, they put a lot of emphasis on the class back then. Um, the promoters did and, you know, everybody involved in the sport to the point where the Pro-Am class was getting just as much ink and just as much attention as the pro class. Exactly. Um, I mean, you, the podium celebrations for Pro-Am were just as exciting as the celebrations for the pro class back then. Yep, exactly. And, and it was it was just so stacked back then. Um, was- there was qualifiers and stuff every now and then. A lot of races, you a lot of races, I, I believe, if memory serves, um, we had to qualify for almost every program race. Oh, you did, Dave. So we yeah. so uh, one of the times that we had Jeffrey on this on the show here, and I don't remember what episode it would have been, but we were talking about that era because uh, 2009 or 2010 was about the time when Jeffrey and I were both entering uh, pro-am for the first time. So Jeffrey was in, in the, the points here. We saw him in the top three. So this must've been the year prior. Um, this must've been 2009 I'm speaking of, but at Redbud that year, there was four qualifiers of pro-am. So you had to finish top four in your heat race to, to make it to the main event. And or make it to the second moto because I remember yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Jeffrey being in my qualifier and we were we were third and fourth in this qualifier and I mean to think back now you literally had to be third or fourth in the pro qualifier just to make it to the main I mean that's that's crazy so there would be there would be like sixty dudes signed up in these classes that's amazing <laughs> yeah yep there there was and I think that's a good way to um I to, I think you explained it really well as to how how competitive that class was back then. Mm-hmm. So it really was. I got, I got, con- I got contracted by RAF um, racing to mechanic for um, Casey and to basically take care of the bike from the very first race on. I had never seen that bike really to work on it until the first race. And I don't know the first race was that year. It might've been in Georgia. Yeah. I think we finished like ninth. Well, I brought the bike home and completely tore the thing apart just about. Went through a bunch of stuff, did some, I did some things that um, lightened the bike up and uh, really helped the bike out. And I think the next race we went to was balance. Okay. And Casey finished on the podium with a Polaris. I think he finished third. Okay. Second, second. I'm looking at it right now. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. And I mean, so we think we're on a roll, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't remember where the next race was. I will not be able to remember because, you know, races run, years run. Right. But um, I think the next race, the motor blew up. Okay. And that whole um, roller coaster kind of went on all year long. We would finish on the podium or finish really well, and then we'd have a motor issue. And we were having overheating issues with that motor. Um, we figured it out at the end of the year what it was. We were running too thick of a radiator. If we ran a thinner radiator, uh, Chad Weenan was having that problem when he was working with Kawasaki. Okay. And they just changed the radiator to a stock radiator and fixed the problem. So I think that's what the whole issue was with that. Well, that and- is it, it put a load on the motor and it would 
it would fry the motor. And so, uh, and one of the things I wanted to touch on, um, as I was prepping for this interview, I read an article that direct quoted you saying that, you know, you figured out some stuff with this quad. You said to, I don't know if it was saying you said to Daryl or whoever at the time, yep. but you had said to somebody, Hey, I got some ideas and I think that we can make this machine better. The other thing I yep. want to touch on there, um, because it's important to know. So we're talking about 2010 right now, but even going back a year prior to 2009, Casey Martin, who we know now went on to be, you know, quite successful. Um, he was a mainstay in the series for years after this. And I ended up racing Casey a ton, but he wasn't their first pick. The, the Wrath Racing Polaris team signed Casey Martin as a, as a replacement rider in May of uh -huh. um, 2009 when Landon Hurst suffered a, a season ending yep. injury, which yep. in hindsight is a no brainer move for them. Uh, but I, th I thought that that was an important thing to touch on too, because he was wasn't the first pick, you know, this bike needed, you know, some work and by the time he's on it, uh, 2010, really making a run at some really good finishes here. Um, but you know, there was some growing pains, but yeah, um, Casey, sure Martin, yep. Casey Martin was the guy guy for the job. I mean, nobody else did what Casey and, and with your help, obviously, but nobody did what you guys did on that Polaris. Yeah. That, that, that bike would handle really, really well. It just, you know, it just wasn't really super fast. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that I figured out was, you know, taking everything that that bike had and putting it to the ground. So back then, um, Fox was at Fox racing was at every event. Yes. And if they, if they were sponsoring, you know, your, your, you, they would do whatever you needed to the shock. So I think on that weekend, I probably had that shock rebuilt like, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I, I brought it to him at least six times okay. to get, to get that bike to squat like a TT bike. Sure. Um, and, and if pleasure Valley, if you remember pleasure Valley, I mean, right now, pleasure Valley is the same way it is now, but the track configuration is different. Very, you know, it's yep. super, super hard packed dirt. And, you know, back then a lot of guys were running tires that, you know, you couldn't get a lot of traction with on hard packed dirt. Right. And the guys were making a lot of horsepower and the bikes were spinning a lot. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we, I set the bike up almost like a TT bike that we, that you could do jumps with. And right. that bike just hooked up. And, um, so what we did that weekend, I don't remember how we fit. You remember how we finished, uh, in, in, in pro-am and pro-am production yeah, pleasure Valley. Yeah. That day. In well, Pleasure Valley. Well, you went one one and in, in uh at Pleasure Valley in the Pro Am production class. Um, oh wow. I can tell yeah, I mean it was it wow, was I yes, I don't that's, <laughs> I, I didn't necessarily remember it I that didn't realize that either. Right. I mean it was it was there was it was no brainer. I mean you you guys you guys it was clear cut that you guys uh you know were the standout best guy that day. Um it, it is funny, I don't want to let that other comment that you made pass by either because um, I'm, it's, it's funny to hear you talk about the bike squatting and setting it up like a TT bike because so the Polaris, when I looked at it, I think it's just like the plastic or something, but it just seemed like a bigger, uh, taller looking machine. I don't know. I don't know why, but, uh, I, I found some pictures of Casey at pleasure Valley and the, the quad is squatting just like you're talking about. Cause I, yep. I, that's literally the mental note that I made. I'm like, wow. Um, nobody else's Polaris looked like that. So no. you, you were, you were doing something right we were doing i i had that thing i had the shock out of that bike literally six times the front shocks at least four times 
Okay. And then we saved those shocks for a different, you know, if we, if we encountered a track like that again, and it was just, you know, it was a really great day. Um, we started on concrete yep. as, you know, Pleasure Valley still is. So we had a little, we had a little ritual on concrete that worked really, really well. Okay. We um, took, I think I took almost 14 pounds off that bike by doing some things with the rear end of the bike. We um, got rid of the, the battery. I was using an RC car battery on that bike. Okay. Um, and it had a little toggle switch. The RC car battery was just for the fan. Okay. Um, had a little toggle switch on the bike. And after Casey would um, do his sight lap, because back then they gave the pro-ams a sight lap. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they treated us just like the pro class, they you did. know? Absolutely. They and did. They did. Um, I would, Casey and I would make a big, a big dramatic production of me reaching under the bike to turn that fan on. Okay. And people were watching us like, well, what are those guys doing? And people <laughs> would come into my trailer and I would have a rag over the RC car battery. You know, and now you have wires coming off this little RC car battery. And I had more people walking in my trailer to look at what was going on with that Polaris. It was, it was, it was, it was fun. It was really fun doing that. It, it wasn't fun, the ups and downs, but that day was definitely an up. Um, yeah. 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 Of course. I can, and, I can remember, I can distinctively remember at the end of that race, there's like three laps to go. Okay. And I'm going to mispronounce his name, but Kevin Monomo. Okay. I remember that name. Team Suzuki back then. Yep. 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 He came up to me with like two laps to go and wanted to shake my hand, you know, while I was standing in the, in the, in the mechanic fit board area and I wouldn't shake anybody's hand. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't No, this isn't over. This isn't over because so many times Casey would be doing so well with that Polaris and then we'd have overheating issues. Right. You know, that bike would get so hot that I would have to um, change the intake boot between the carburetor and the motor in between motos. Oh my gosh. That thing, got, I had a heat gun and I don't remember the exact temperature, but it was close. It was over 300 degrees Jeez. when I'd hit that with a heat gun sometimes. Yeah. And, crazy. and to think that that motor would stay together under that intense heat sometimes is pretty crazy. Well, and, but, and you see, so you see, I mean, I can picture the outlaw 450, um, you know, like trail banger guys, like, you know, bring mm -hmm. them into the shop or whatever. And to think that, you know, you look at that machine and you think what you guys did with it, it's, it's truly remarkable really. Cause it, it's the farthest thing from a, like a, an actual race ready, like go race the thing kind of, yep. um, you know, sport it had, quad. It had a decent power plant though. It had the KTM motor on it. And I was going to say that so that people know it had a, a solid motor. I was going to ask you, I thought it was essentially the KTM motor. Cause I know mm -hmm. at some point with the, with the Polaris thing, with the wrath deal, I don't know, beginning end, I have no idea. I can't, I can't remember anymore, but at one point, um, my dad's business, Jansen Motorsports was working on those things. Yep. And at one point I remember Todd, the lead mechanic saying, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can take on all this workload, you know? Um, but I knew that they were the KTM motor and I, I knew that, I think you, you maybe said already that maybe they weren't the fastest engine out there. Um, but I knew that they were decent. I no, thought, no. I, I thought that maybe they were, that it was more of a chassis thing, um, that maybe the chassis wasn't the greatest, but you said that that's not necessarily, yeah. necessarily the case. And obviously with wrath, I mean, you have to believe that 
like the thing is going to be, you know, pretty good, like as good as it can be. So I feel like yep. all of the yep. hard work that you guys put in must have paid off because again, to do what you guys did on a Polaris is incredible. Yeah. That, that, that KTM motor was a decent power plant, but I, I believe that KTM motor that came in that bike was cause back then you had to use production stuff. You couldn't put exactly. a dirt bike motor in it. That was right. a, that KTM motor and it was a cross country motor, I think. Okay. I, I think. And it had, it had a hydraulic clutch, yep. um, which helped the bike. It, it was a decent bike. It just, I mean, if you think about the guys who were in that class and the horsepower that was in those bikes back then, you know, you had Hendrick Petrick um, working with Joel on that Kawasaki and they were coming up with all kinds of neat stuff for that Kawi. Mm -hmm. um, Walsh, was mechanicing for Gibson in that class. Yep. They were, that was when um, the lowered Hondas came into fruition too, yep. because they lowered um, the Kawasaki's back then. Yep. You remember that when they lowered the sure subframes and they, sure they lowered the gas tank. And that yep. was right around 2010 was when all that stuff came, you know, came to light and the Hondas were lowered and everything. And because prior to that, Dave, I mean, those, all those bikes were, relatively new going back to that day i still remember the guys coming up to me before the race was ending and they um were wanting to shake my hand and i wouldn't i wouldn't do it mm -hmm. i wouldn't do it until i saw them go through the checkered flag you know right, right right and it was a pretty profound thing that happened after that if you remember um the pitter the the mechanic area area wasn't where the mechanic area is now it was a different spot and in order to get off the track um, I walked down behind the starting gate yep. and the pro class had already done their, when I was walking down, down there, the pro class had already done their sight lap. Well, as I walked behind the gate with my pit board and my backpack, I probably, I, I wasn't a standing ovation, but it was like <laughs> eight mechanics and four or five riders got up and clapped their hand and gave me a thumbs up. That's that was, I just was like, wow. Like, Did that like, really just happen? Yeah. Because like they knew what nine. we had gone through all year mm -hmm. and saw what Casey would had and saw Casey, you know, put a Polaris on the podium many times. I think we did in um, Muddy Creek. I think we, we were on the podium too that weekend. Okay. And that, that's another, that's another type of track that's, that's a hard packed track and it's not really loamy. And that's where that bike really would, would excel. Um, I remember going up to the podium and, um, you know, talking to Casey and just sitting on the opposite side of the podium on a wooden block, just looking at the ground, like, did that really just happen? <laughs> did he really just do that? It was, it was, it was a great day. It really was. And I just, I remember sitting in the trailer on the wheel well on my trailer with the bike sitting there, I hadn't washed or anything. And that was like the first time I had a beer <laughs> after one of those races in a very long time. I just sure. sat there and drank a beer. A couple of guys came and we just sat there and we're like, did that really just happen? You know, and um, Casey was the normal Casey. He was, you know, always cracking jokes, always on cloud nine, always positive attitude. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, if it wasn't for a guy like Casey and the way he could ride, but it was also his mental attitude towards doing it on a Polaris. Sure. He just, he, if it wasn't for those, if it was I mean, if it wasn't for him, it never would have happened because I mean, it's too bad he didn't have more time to be able to actually be a professional racer and live that life. But cause he had to work like a lot of guys did back then, but yep, yep, yep. he, he, 
that guy had a lot of talent and he could really ride and he had such a great attitude about racing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a guy that was so naturally talented too. So he was so talented. It seemed like he always had the right attitude and everything, but oh my so, God. so the, the way that the way that that day played out. Um, so in the first moto, Chase Snap is is leading Joel Hetrick's right there. Casey, I think it was was about third, I think. And so uh-huh. so so something happens to Joel. Joel's bike blows up or something in the first moto. Uh Chase Snap for like a split second then is leading this race and something happens to him. He also falls back. Casey inherits the lead. Okay. So so maybe in that first moto, you could argue he was a podium guy in the second moto though, both of those guys didn't seem to have any problems in case he just went out and won the moto. So to be, I mean, he, it wasn't even like he, you know, he lucked into it because the article that I read and I, and I remember all this, but the article that I read, you know, uh, brushing up on all of this kind of spoke of, you know, I don't know if it was fate or destiny or, or, you know, but it all came together for Casey Martin. But in reality, Mm -hmm. he he went out there and and earned that moto won that moto. And, uh, yeah, that's just so impressive to, to think back on all the good guys that he beat all that stuff back then. The other thing that I want to touch on, um, because like you said, Casey had achieved a few podiums up to that point, but this was the only win. And the yep, crazy, yep. The, the crazy part of all this, and I, I'm almost positive that you and I spoke of this before, but the crazy part is that John Natale won the pro class that weekend to get Can-Am their first victory. So on the same weekend, oh wow, Can-Am won the pro class for the first time and Polaris won pro-am for the first time. That I mean, try to wrap your head around that. <laughs> that is, I, yeah, I didn't realize that. And I also remember now that you know, as you're speaking up, as you're kind of making me really kind of really use my brain to think back at that day. Mm-hmm. Casey put it on him too that second moto. Yeah, I mean that wasn't like a close moto. I mean he, I think he had a two or three second lead. Oh, easily yeah. at the at the end of that race. So yes. it wasn't. It was no. It wasn't luck. It was, I mean, we really had that bike rolling and he was flying. Mm -hmm, Exactly. He he did a really great job that day. Yep. So, um, what was like, this was a factory Polaris effort, right? I mean, how, I mean, Polaris was very much involved. Were they not? Yeah. Um, I remember when, when I was trying to come up with a, a way to, um, lighten the bike up, I talked to Cody Anderson Yep. And Cody said something to me about putting an RC car battery. He had done that to his Polaris. Okay. So we're like the factory Polaris team. Yes. So what I don't want to do is do something to this bike. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be the responsible for something going tragically wrong with this bike. Of course. Other than what was already going wrong every now and then. Mm-hmm. So I called Daryl and I asked him because the RC car battery is not a 12 volt battery. I think it's like 13 and a half or 15 okay. volts. Okay. Right. Yep. So um, Daryl gave me the phone number of an electrical engineer at Polaris. And okay. I called the guy and I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, no, that fan will take it. Let me, let me get back to you. So he got back to me and he said, you know, no, that that'll take care of it. That it, it shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't hurt that fan whatsoever. So it was nice to have, you know, be able to call someone like that. It, that was a big help. And I'll tell you, when you turn that fan on with those extra voltage, 
it, it, it sounded like it was going to pull the, the bike <laughs> through, the, through the trailer. I mean, that thing would just take off, and yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Oh, that's it was funny. it was it was a neat little effort. It really was. Um, we were kind of hoping that you know it would go a little bit longer. Yeah, and I was going to ask that. I was going to ask, uh, and and I think I remember it this way. But was that the last year of of the Polaris gig, or how did that uh, come to a close? That was the last year that, um, and it, it came right down to a certain point where I thought we were going to do it again. Okay. And Polaris, I guess, backed out. There were some big plans back then, talking to Daryl and talking to Jen Rath, yep. that um, Polaris is going to come out with a whole nother bike that okay. with a different power plant on it. Sure. And it was, it, it, I don't remember, you know, none of that stuff was divulged, but, um, yeah, they pulled out of the motocross program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, you know, in the in the book of Polaris's history, headlining the motocross chapter would be what you and Casey accomplished that day. I'm pretty glad to uh, have covered it here because I think that, and I said this to you once before, but um, people that have gotten into the sport in more recent years are probably mm-hmm. would probably think that this was a joke, you know, that Polaris oh, won yeah. the top class that wasn't the AMA to be pro class. Uh, Polaris won that class on a day 11 years ago, not that, not that long ago. So that part, the, the part that it's, you know, borderline believable uh-huh. for some of these people, I think makes the story that much cooler, honestly. And, and to elevate it even more is to really truly understand the guys that were in that class back yeah. then. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was crazy. The guys that were in that class and how fast everybody was. I mean, to the point where, you know, the, the pro-am class was getting as much publicity at sometimes even more than the pro class was. Absolutely. And you and I touched on this before we hit record on this thing. And I've, we've touched on, you know, this happening, um, on a few other episodes as it's Uh come over time, but yeah, I mean, it's the, the pro-am class got so much coverage that it forced the, the series or the series felt that the best thing to do was to take away. Cause there was two pro-am classes. There was pro-am production and pro-am unlimited. They took away one of those classes, gave us one pro-am in an effort to force people to go pro because pro-am had become such a lights class. It was so yeah. premier. Yep that they wanted to force guys to go pro to get the, the pro numbers up because pro-am had become such a prominent force. Yeah. The, I, I, do you remember the, the uh, podium celebrations for the pro, pro-am class back then? I, I do. They were just the it same as crazy. the pro class. They, it they was were just, crazy. Yep. And, and the other thing I, and I've said to people, um, I've said this to people on other episodes, but I looked at those guys because that, so at that time, I mean, I was racing the pro-am class, just kind of dabbling in the pro-am class at that time, I remember that. Yep. but wasn't doing the series full-time or anything like that. And I was still, I mean, I was still a kid. I was, you know, 17 years old or whatever it was. So, um, at that time though, I mean, you looked at those top pro-am riders, like they were pros. I mean, Casey Martin, yeah. and yep. Joel Hattrick snap. I mean, all those guys, they were pros to me. And remember the, the snap brothers were in that class. It wasn't just both of them were in it. Exactly. They were both equally fast. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're exactly right. The cottage would, would, would light it up at now and then he was, he was super fast. Kyle fix. There was, there was a lot of guys that, that, could light up that class on any given day. Oh, And we just got really, we just got really lucky that day at pleasure Valley. I mean, I can say lucky, but, um, I mean, Casey put it to him. 
things were just right. And I think with, if we had had another year, I mean, people will probably roll their eyes and laugh at us, you know, me saying this, but if we'd had another year on that Polaris with a chance to put a little bit more horsepower in that bike with the things that I figured out, the things that Casey figured out and the way we had that bike handling that, that bike had a decent future back then. It really did. And you know, that, that sounds so similar to the stuff that we heard Chad and some other guys say about the Kawasaki, where they thought they were going to bring it back for another year. They were just hitting their stride. They were just yep. out and then poof, it was gone. And you're, you're left uh, wondering what could have been uh, the cool thing. So Casey Greek was Natalie's mechanic back then. Um, yep. we, just, we just had Casey on Billy cottage was out there racing and competing with Casey Martin and pro-am. We touched on that. Uh, we just had Billy on the, this episode a little earlier. So even though, you know, it's been 11 years later, um, it's been 11 years now, there's still tons of connections, uh, you know, to the sport to this day. And then, you know, particularly to, you know, to us here at digging deep, it kind of just fell into our lap that, um, you know, all these guys were so involved back then they're still involved now. It's uh, it's pretty cool to relive some of these stories. And, and like I said, being a story that um, a lot of people may not remember anymore. A lot of people may not know. And some people newer people won't believe uh, just kind of cool to share that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really is. It's uh, it's a, it's something that Casey and I, every now and then um, he'll text me out of the blue <laughs> and he'll remind me, you know, Hey, you remember that day? Yeah, like you hey, know, it's like, hey, out of nowhere. That. I don't hear from Casey for four months, and he'll just text me something like that. And we'll, yeah, it, <laughs> and him and I have been, I mean, super tight ever since then, too, you know, because I, I mechanic for him when he was in the pro class. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. It, he's ridden my bike quite a few times, one of my bikes. So, yeah, it, it's, it's funny how you know, you can go back and relive some of this stuff. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you just don't realize how profound some of this stuff was back then, especially looking at it, you know, in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, awesome memories and and nobody else did it, but you guys did. So I'm sure it is a a cool thing to kind of bond over and just remember, like I said, like, Hey, we did that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Dave, last question before I let you go here. Um, you're obviously very involved in the sport to this day. You work closely with Nick Janusa's program. Um, mm-hmm. What do you expect to see? I don't want to let you out of here without asking you this. What do you expect to see from Nick at Unadilla? I know that that's a, a close, close-ish race for you. That's a kind of a home-ish race for him. Um, so what do you think uh, we're going to see from Nick Janusa at Unadilla and then the last few races to finish off the 2021 season here? I mean, he's obviously in good position. He's sitting you know, top three in points, it's tight, but, um, as a competitor, I mean, he's got to feel good about where he's at. And I mean, I don't know that you could say he's necessarily hit his stride yet. And if he does, he could easily grab, uh, the reins on that third spot spot. And I'm sure that's what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, we've, we've added a few things to his program. I've, I've, I've through my connections with Casey Greek, mm-hmm. he's, he's helping, um, Nick out now with suspension and that was i mean nick's on fox um but casey works on everything and um those two are 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 really getting a connection and that has really kind of been a big thing for the program nick's never been a starter he's worked really hard on that i've given him a lot of a lot of pointers and a lot of help and a lot of reminders on the gate you know what he needs to do 
Um, I think all those things are really coming together for him. And the kid is in incredible shape. I oh, mean, yeah. he comes from like this last weekend in Pleasure Valley when they got in that first turn crash and just stormed through the pack. Yeah. And um, I think, I think, I think, I mean, we've had some ups and downs with some silly, stupid stuff that's happened. Yep. He got a flat tire at one race. Um, we had an issue with a tire ball. It, it's just stupid stuff. But um, our consistency has to get a little bit, you know, between two motos. And I think that's coming. And guys, I think people don't realize how hard that is to do in that class. It's oh, not yeah. an easy thing to do in that class. It's so hard. And I think we're just a tick away. I really do. I think Nick is super close to being that third, maybe second place guy. I really do. I mean, you watch him in the, the pro stock class and he's right on those guys. He's right with those guys. Mm -hmm. So he has everything to do it. We just have to put it in place for him. And I think we're really close. It, it sure seems like it sure seems like he's close. I mean, consistency has been a strength of his for forever. Um, now that that section of the class, that group of the class right now is so damn strong. But um, I just think that, man, we were just talking with Billy about it, that it's so hard to bet against Nick because he's so consistent. He's done this so many times now, um, you know, being right in the mix like that. And it just seems like he's due, you know, I got this feeling like it's all just going to come together for him. And like I said, those other guys that are battling for that third spot, it's just going to be hard to outlast Nick Janusa. I really feel that way. Um, okay. So last, I, I, I lied. I, I told you that that was going to be the last question. I got one more for you. Um, what about a championship pick? Who you got between Weenan and Hetrick? Who are you gonna who who would you side with? I mean, I'd have to go with Joel. I really, I really would have to, you know? Mm -hmm. The way the way that Yamaha seems to fit him and the way that kid flows, it I mean, if he doesn't have any more issues and he can stay on the bike, I mean that's how I see it. You know, well, and I think that the way that, uh, the way that the schedule is going to work out here. So we're going to Unadilla, obviously that's like his strongest track of the year. Then, you know, obviously Chad will have, um, red bud circled. That's one where he typically thrives at that's his style, but then, so you're, you're talking three of the last four though. You're talking Unadilla, um, Loretta's and Briarcliff. I, I mean, man, when I look at that, those just seem like Joel Hetrick style racetracks. And obviously he's been on a tear this season. Um, I'm not breaking any news there, but yeah, it just yep. seems like he's going to be hard to beat. It really does. Yeah, it does. His, his speed is incredible. I mean, when you're close to the track, like I am when I'm pit boarding yes. for Nick and you're watching his times and you're watching some of the things that that guy does on a four wheeler, mm -hmm. it's it, it's it's crazy how fast he's going. I mean, but then you know, conversely, you look and see what Chad did at at um in Illinois. That was crazy. Oh yeah, what he I, did to the pack, what he did to the to that class that day was just crazy. How he destroyed that class. And, so, and, I, and I don't know how else to explain it, but that does, I mean, that is worth mentioning. Like he looked like an A rider against B riders or a B rider against sure. C riders. That's what it yeah. looked like. It really did. And it looked effortless. I mean, it, I'm yeah. watching some of the things he's doing and I'm like, he's not doing anything drastically different than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is, you know, like hanging off their bike and the bike looks like they're going, looks like they're going super fast. Chad just looks like he's out there riding. And, Chad, you know, Chad makes those conditions. He makes the track look smooth. He really does. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. That's a good way to put it. It's amazing. It's amazing. But um, I'm sure we could expect to see, you know, a a performance and effort like that out of Chad when we get to red bud. But man, those other three races are going to be going to be tough for the field. Hetrick just might have their number at the rest of them. So um, Dave, uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us. This has been so much fun. Um, Obviously love, you know, hearing those one of a kind stories. I don't think that anywhere else, you're not going to hear anything like that in our sports. I'm glad to share that with everybody. Obviously um, you know, you've been around for forever. You have like how many national championships, like eight national championships. You've, you've wrenched for uh, tons of legendary and great riders. So um, I just feel like you have so much knowledge, so much experience, so much history to bring to us. So I appreciate you joining us and uh, we're going to have to do this again. This was a lot of fun. Yep. That was great. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Dave. Um, That's Dave Porter brought to you by gripped gloves. Visit gripgloves.com today. Thanks again, Dave until next time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. See you soon. We covered the heck out of pleasure Valley. Now on to Unadilla, one of my favorite races of the year. Major thanks to tonight's guests, Bryce and Cody Ford, Max Linquist, Casey Greek, Billy Cottage, and Dave Porter. Was that everybody? Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID racing chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC. LC and Manscaped to get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all these brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back National Champ merch, and more are all available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. You can call our voicemail line anytime, 920-569-3519, and follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy, info and more as the racing continues to heat up a reminder that lineups do not roll over we've been saying this week after week so head over to atvfantasy.com right now to select your team and lock it in up until one hour before moto one at unadilla so 12 30 local time thanks so much to everybody that's playing this has been so much fun and winners your prizes are finally shipping next week so get ready for that look forward to that we're excited about that As for the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You know the drill. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our new show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Be a friend. Tell a friend. 
please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Bryson Cody Ford, Max Linquist, Casey Greek, Billy Cottage, Dave Porter, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Is that everybody? Thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, 2 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV motocross. Now let's go racing at Unadilla. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad leaders are freaking gnarly.